here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? <laughs> Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Craig, my guest this week. Find him on Twitter at Joe M Lanza. It is Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? I feel like a guest. I haven't done this. <laughs> so tell people if people don't know who you are, Joe. Uh, let them know. So you're at uh, at Joe M Lanza. Uh, your most recent article, Fighting Spirit Magazine, was called uh, "Why WWF Sucks and Why Vince McMahon Is Stupid and You're Dumb," which was a great article, by the way. I really enjoyed it. Uh, well, just yeah, let the people know a little bit about you and uh, what, what brings you here to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am the most hated man on Twitter. Okay. I think that's verifiable. Uh, <laughs> After this week, yes, it is confirmed. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah uh, my article in Funny Spirit Magazine, which uh, Brian Elliott will be pleased that you opened up the show to plug because, you know, everybody's listening right now. They all slowly turn it off as we move along. Uh, it's actually not a WWE burial piece. It is uh, praising the revival of 205 Live. See, that's not what I read. I read a, I read a, a one line and it, it seemed to indicate a very different article, Joe. So please, please let me know. Um, you, know you know what's funny? <laughs> it's it's what's funny is but you know we're doing the, uh, the our little banter there before the show to decide what we're going to talk about and we've had an eventful few days on on twitter and uh i said the rich you know we're not going to come on there and bury people we're not going to come on there and 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 do a 2014 joe lanza rant we're going to handle all of this with decorum and here's rich needling me he's needling me he's trying <laughs> he's trying to get me to go off on, you know, uh, the pieces of trash that, that you know, take things out of co- – but I'm not going to do it. You're not going to needle me, Rich. It is a lovely piece in Fighting Spirit magazine about the revival of 205 Live. Uh, yes, there was one cherry-picked sentence from the entire piece that was misinterpreted by people, which uh, will lead us into an interesting discussion we're going to have later about um, you know, why Twitter sucks and why Twitter is terrible and why it's an awful medium and, and – um, more of a philosophical conversation than than one where you know uh, Joe Lanza is going to be biting people's heads off because I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, uh, there there was one line for the listeners who have no idea what we're talking about because they don't get involved in the Twitter shenanigans. There was a, a line in that article uh, that referred to <clears throat> the uh, hardcore wrestling intelligentsia, which was sort of a tongue in cheek line. And just a different way of saying like smarks or smart marks. Um, and it was intentionally haughty. 
the line was intentionally haughty. It, that was the purpose of the line. Uh, you don't pick that up, though, when that's the only line of the article that's screen capped and uh, blasted out for the world to see. So everyone just assumed that it was some, um, you know, arrogant hit piece on the WWE and Vince McMahon, which is not what it is. Um, you know, it's, 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 you know, uh, it, you know, it might be a hit piece on Vince McMahon's declining creative vision, but uh, the article certainly put great 205 Live has been. So um, that's what sort of caused that stir uh, on Twitter. Uh, when people totally misinterpreted that line. But the thing is, it's like a lot of those people will never read the article. And, you know, if you read something I write and then you want to bury it, it's fair game, you know? And, and I told a few people that. And it's like, you know, what are you going to do? You know, if you write something and people disagree with it or want to tell you you're you're a moron, well, you know, at least they read it. Uh, the problem is people will read that one line, uh, assume that the article is something that it isn't, and then, uh, you know, and then bury it for it. But, you know, what are you going to do? This is all attention on the article attention on the magazine uh you know um you know any publicity is good publicity right so um you know at least people are talking about it and uh, hopefully it'll get some people to buy the magazine and read it so that's the best you can hope for yeah funding spirit magazine by the way and you can find them on on you know obviously online and on twitter and all that stuff and you can subscribe to the magazine i think you can get a hard copy i know uh the barnes and noble by my house has it and it's always pretty awesome to kind of go through there and and rifle through it but you can also get it of course sense your house and it's, it's available digitally as well which is probably the most cost effective uh method to do so but definitely recommend it fighting spirit magazine we have a lot of uh contributors and friends or whatnot that that, that work on the magazine and do some great work for it too so definitely uh, want to support that that magazine in any way you can because it is i i think without almost without question the, the best wrestling magazine going these days i don't think anyone's even anywhere near close i mean there's you know there's power slam or whatever and obviously pwi and all that sort of stuff but i don't think they they hold a candle to, to fighting spirit so uh, definitely want to check out fighting spirit but uh yeah it's been a uh it's been an interesting week uh yeah it's like look here's the bottom line you know if a bunch of mouth breathing southern wrestling fans need to google a word <laughs> that's not my problem there he goes yeah that's that's not my let problem, the record show I had you know. moved on. I was segueing to the next, but let's so let the record show. You know, I needled you at the beginning and then I, I, I then I segued. So just just for the record, but uh, no, it's been definitely uh, an eventful week for for us on 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 the old Twitters at Voices Wrestling. By the way, if you want to follow us on Twitter, but you should probably just delete your Twitter account instead because it's it's horrible. But uh, yeah, it, it seems to be kind of a constant issue of and and it's not only us. I mean, like we feel like we're kind of alone and we're not. And a lot of people deal with this. A lot of media members deal with this. I see it on NBA Twitter, and there was actually a recent you know groundswell of people on on basketball Twitter during the playoffs talking about how that's kind of become a toxic community and how that used to be a very fun thing and and, and similar to wrestling Twitter, which is it still has its fun parts and it still is enjoyable at times, but then there's just a lot of parts of it, which is kind of the nature of the medium that make it so awful. And one of the things that we keep running into um, time and time again, and I don't really know if there's a great way to solve it. I don't know if there's a way that we solve it. I don't know if there's a way that, that anybody solves it, but it's people reading you know one tweet and then kind of going in whatever direction they want off that one tweet and, and, and not knowing any of the context of the person tweeting it and not knowing the context of the conversation and not knowing, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and one of the big ones that came up and, and it sort of alludes to a, a reason why you've been going uh, not, not on, you know, Twitter or uh, on the show rather for the last few weeks is, you know, there was a discussion about the potential of Alexa bliss having, uh, you know, a, a breast augmentation or some cosmetic surgery. It was like, we didn't know, you know, we weren't sure. And people were kind of speculating and whatnot. And you kind of brought up, Hey, look, I, you know, 
I can add a little bit of my thoughts to this. Not your personal thoughts, but the thoughts of, hey, I am somebody whose, you know, wife, who I just, by the way, married, you know, a few days ago, which congratulations. I've not had a chance to tell you, you know, personally. And, you know, hey, I had to miss a week of this show because my wife was, was getting this done or my, my soon-to-be wife was getting this done. And so I know a little bit about kind of what was going on. I know a little bit about this. But people grabbed one tweet of you saying, hey, this is sort of my speculation on this thing or here's potentially what could be happening and turn that into, oh my God, you know, why is this male, this random male podcaster, you know, pontificating about, you know, a, a, a private individual's breast surgery or boob job or whatever. And it's like, you don't understand any of the context whatsoever. I mean, so, you were coming at it in, in a numerous, there was a bunch of tweets before that. They weren't reading our timeline. We were kind of reacting to something on our timeline and, and they don't know that you're, you know, at that point, soon to be wife had just gotten the surgery. And you said, Hey, here are, here's kind of my insights based off what is going on directly in my life. Because, Oh, by the way, the person I spend every day with is going through this thing right now. So I can give some insights, but that, you know, nobody read that part. Nobody knew that part. They just went, here's a, a random male deciding that he needs to talk about Alexa Bliss's boobs or whatever. And it's like, that's right. not at all what we were doing. And it's not at all what you were doing. Context is always key, but context is always the source of issues on Twitter. Um, we just talked about the context of, you know, one, literally one sentence out of something I wrote for Fighting Spirit magazine, uh, you know, being taken the wrong way by a lot of people and assuming the article is something it's not. When you look at this situation, that day, I'm just mindlessly scrolling through our feed and everybody is talking about a picture that Alexa Bliss tweeted out, speculating whether or not she had. Uh, you know, uh, uh, breast enhancement. So I wasn't even going to say anything, but then all of this stuff is coming across the timeline, which I knew was very ignorant uh, in terms of how the surgery goes, recovery, just stuff that was totally off the wall. And the only reason I knew it was off the wall is because, Rich, I just spent two months going to doctors, uh, going to doctor appointments with my wife, uh, uh, helping her, you know, speaking to the doctor on a near weekly bait, near week, because you don't, it's not like you just show up and say, hey, I want to get breast. No, you, you, you visit the doctor, you get all the facts, you make a decision, you decide how you're going to do it, you decide the methods. So it's just something that was fresh in my mind. And I saw a lot of misinformation on the timeline. So just using my recent experience, I just put out some things to clarify some of the other things in the timeline that, that I saw that were just dead on wrong. In fact, the opening line of the tweet was, I have no idea whether Alexa Bliss got surgery or not. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't speculating on whether she did or she didn't. And then I went on just to lay out medical, basically medical facts. Uh, the tweet was not crass in any way. It was not, uh, I, 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 you know, it, it, it was respectful. It was just, it was cold facts about the surgery and, and things that, uh, you know, I had experienced over the course of the last few weeks, um, you know, from sitting in doctor's offices all the time and, 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 and discussing it with my wife and, and, and take care of her through a recovery. That's all. I was going to say, yeah, the, the biggest thing is, you know, seeing somebody post-surgery and then understanding. Recover, which, and, and that's exactly what it was. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, you know, people were speculating, oh, she was gone from this tour because she had gotten this or whatever. And, and, and we didn't get involved in any of that conversation because I don't. I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. There's there's few things I care less about than if Alexa Bliss got a boob. I like I don't really give a shit at all. It doesn't bother me. You know, whatever. I don't care at all. But you were essentially just saying, hey, look, you know, people were respecting. OK, so here's this picture. And you were saying, hey, look, you know, my wife just went through this and, you know, maybe, maybe whatever you didn't. You weren't you were speculating yeah, one way or another. You were just kind of saying, hey, this is sort of how her recovery went. 
And if Alexa Bliss got it, maybe this is how her recovery, just kind of a thing like that. That's all that it was, but people. Here's things I saw. Now here's, now here's right. the problem. It's like you said before, our followers and our listeners knew exactly where I was coming from with that because they were well aware of Britney's surgery because we had talked about it a million times. And they knew that's why I missed a show. But then when you have people parachuting into our timeline uh, without the context, and this is my point here, they have no idea why this random person is going off on this. Uh, so again, Twitter is awful. It's absolute shit because no, none of our listeners or our followers had a problem with those tweets because they understood the context. They understood where I was coming from. They understood I was speaking from experience, very recent experience, in, in witnessing the recovery of someone who went through a very similar, if not the exact same surgery. I have no idea. Uh, but it's like the context ruins everything. And then, and then you get into this whole thing. I do want to address one thing, though. It's like this whole idea that um, a male cannot speak about that particular type of surgery is the most pearl-clutching bullshit that I've ever heard in my life. It's like I can't speak about surgery because uh, about a lady part because I'm a man. What sense does that make? If this was Alexa Bliss's ankle and someone in my house had ankle surgery, I, she had surgery on her breasts and someone in my house had surgery on their breasts. I can't talk about that. Those are lady parts. That's off limits. I mean, get the fuck over yourself. Bullshit. There's no reason a man can't talk about that if they're coming from a place. Like, it's like anything else. If you're coming from a place where you have a little bit of experience or a little bit of knowledge, why the fuck can't a man talk about that? That's absolute bullshit. But the bottom line here is the followers and the listeners understood uh, that I was coming from that place. The other people didn't. And again, that's why Twitter sucks. Look at Dave Meltzer uh, a couple days before. Bruno San Martino dies. Dave Meltzer spends all morning, all morning, tweeting out all sorts of praise to his personal friend, by the way. This is a right. Oh, yeah. Day. Knows him many times. Interviewed him countless amounts of times, dozens uh, of times. I might even be more than that, probably 30 times. And has known him for, yeah, 30 plus years, 30, 30 40 years. Yeah. Tweets out all sorts of, of, of wonderful things about Bruno San Martino all morning. Then on like his fifth or sixth tweet of the day says, well, you know, the MSG thing is kind of a myth. Here's the facts. Okay. Now, here's the problem. If someone is just flip is just turning on their app at that moment and is scrolling through their timeline and sees Dave's tweet, they think that Dave is you know uh, disparaging or burying somebody who died hours earlier because they don't have the context of seeing that Dave praised the person all morning long. And again, this is why Twitter sucks because then people piled on Dave and said, "This is not the time." Blah blah. blah. First of all, bullshit. It's never not the time to lay out facts. There's nothing wrong with with Dave, and even the way he worded the tweet wasn't malicious in any way. No, no, okay. and it's also that that's I find that you know completely ridiculous too, because like you know, say Michael Jackson died, and someone said, "Oh, you know, he had four thousand number one hits," and someone was like, "Nah, it's actually like 30. It would be like, "No, stop it!" You know, like like, and, I, and you're not even doing it. Just, it's if someone really said, "Nah, you know, I was friends with Michael Jackson, and I'm really sad today," but the fact, <laughs> right? Yeah, true. It was more. It's like, come on. But the, yeah, but the he actually the did have 4,000 hits, and he, and he knew that that was kind of bullshit, but he knew it was only, you know, 30 number one hits or whatever. And somebody got really upset about it, that. It's like, exactly. No. It, it's the same. You turn, you, 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 you open up this stupid app, and you see that Dave tweet without seeing all the others, and you think he's being a jerk. You see my titty tweet without seeing 
the fact that everybody else is talking about it and you think that I'm being a jerk. It's it, when you lose the context, it, it, it destroys everything. I mean, um, you know, look at the look at the bodyguard. I was about to bring up the bodyguard tweets. Bodyguard gate. Okay, the whole th- the whole thing about bodyguard, all right, <laughs> is everybody knows he's not a great wrestler. Everybody knows the bodyguard is a guy who was really fucking bad, who has worked his ass off to become okay. And at times, with the right opponent, he can be carried. He's a good tag team wrestler, but everyone knows he's not a great wrestler. Okay, and it's kind of like this ironic tongue-in-cheek thing where everybody loves the bodyguard and Rich. The opening line of the tweet was like, "Listen up, nerds." At that point, you know it's not a serious tweet. So I'm like, "Listen up, nerds. Someone's got to tell the truth about the bodyguard. The bodyguard isn't any good, or whatever it is that I said. It was obviously a joke, playing up on the idea that everybody." sort of ironically loves the bodyguard. It was part of the fucking running gag. And again, this is where context comes in. Our followers, people deeply embedded in, in, in Pearl, go read the mentions. Everyone's having a great time with that tweet. They're playfully, you know, uh, poking me back in a playful way and, 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 and tell, you know, and fucking around. But it's the non-followers, the people who aren't in, you know, who are who are laying in and, and 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 getting all over me because I said the bodyguard wasn't any good. Which, by the way, the bodyguard isn't any good. Okay, let's be honest. It's okay, and that doesn't mean you can't like him, and that doesn't mean that he's that he's fucking terrible. He's an okay wrestler who who has some charisma and, and has some appeal, but he's not any good. There's no where's the lie there? Okay, but it was just playing up the the, the thing that everybody. But again, without that context. See, that one I don't even know because any – again, any tweet that starts with listen up nerds, if you don't understand that that's not – Right. But I mean I guess the context would be like the sarcasm or whatever. Like the people that listen to us know the dorks because you said dorks I think at one point too and nerds and like that it's obvious that that's not like you – you know, a right. strong, awesome man with so many beautiful women hanging off your arms being like, hey, nerds, like, let me tell you how it is. Like, you know, and you mentioned that when I think you 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 felt you said the word like don't geeks before and whatnot. And people get really yes. upset about that. And it's like, OK, come on. Like, you're not actually, you know, we're all we're all wrestling fans. Like, we're all kind of dorks. Like, we all understand that we've we've we, we allude to that all the time. Like, we, we, we fully understand that. But you're just using that in sort of the a joking manner but again that's where the context sort of plays so it might not be the context of other tweets it might not be the context of the timeline but then the context of sort of the the, the language of the person speak. Yeah, you know, understanding the tone of uh, of your voice, the tone of, of how you tweet, the tone of the words or whatnot is is, is understandable. But again, like you're not going to get that. Just a random retweet that shows up on someone's timeline won't know that hey, these guys say dorks and nerds and geeks or whatever. But do it tongue in cheek, knowing full well that they're not actually judging people that like the bodyguard or whatever. You, you know, maybe you are kind of judging people that like the bodyguard, but <laughs> you know, regardless. No, no, well, it's, well, it's funny, Rich. It's people who if we didn't get any kickback on any of these tweets from people who follow us. Exactly. Right. Because they understand the vernacular we use, they understand our sense of humor, they understand our tone, and, and that's and and that's my point. I don't even necessarily blame the the people who had no idea who we are, where our tweets pop up on their timeline and they get angry. Now, I don't blame them for misinterpreting the tweets because, like we just said, the context and the tone. How are they to understand it if they don't know who we are? Um, I, I can blame some of them for being overly aggressive. I mean, are you, what are you getting that wound up for over a bodyguard take? I mean, seriously. But that's a different issue for a different day. The issue here is is like you just said, you nailed it on the head. People don't understand our vernacular and our tone if they don't know who we are. And that's another reason 
why Twitter fucking sucks and why all of these things, why, why, you know, these massive, these little things like a silly bodyguard take can blow up into these big things where people are at each other's throats because the Twitter medium, these are the, some of the biggest flaws that it has. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, I'm at the point now where it's, it's, we've here for a long time had like the only person we had one person on earth blocked. That wasn't a bot, not even going to say their name. Most people know who it is. We just had like a no block thing. Like it's, it's okay. You can come at us. We can take it. We're thick skin. Say whatever you want. We're not going to block you. It doesn't matter if we argue it. I've changed my mind on that. I mean, now with these outsiders who just come fl- people who want to quote tweet us, and 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 just use us as an example to to try to you know quote unquote dunk on us or or get a bunch of backpats from their friend. No, you're not getting that anymore. You, you do that shit, you're getting blocked. Because go find somebody else. Because it's gotten out of hand, Rich. I mean, I mean, I mean, really. I mean, these are such mundane tweets. I couldn't. Those couldn't have been more clinical, medical. Uh, breast enhancement tweets. If I tried, <laughs> I mean, it's the most mundane tweets, and, and and again, coming from a place of just experience and setting people straight who were saying bullshit things. I was correcting the record because people were saying these things that I knew weren't true. You can't get any more mundane than a fucking bodyguard take, which isn't even which was tongue in cheek to begin with, and these things flare up, and it's just it's 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 silly. And instead of engaging and instead of allowing people to just, you know, uh, use our shit as a springboard so that they get – no, you're just getting blocked and you're going to have to find a new target for your fucking – I don't know, your weird uh, Twitter shenanigans because I, 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 I can't take it anymore, Rich. And I, I know you're on board on me with this and I just – I can't deal with these people anymore. Um, you know, a lot of them, you know, don't like us uh, – the reasons don't even matter. I don't even know why. I think a lot of people who don't like us, Rich, don't even know why they don't like us. Right. I think if you asked a lot of these people, why don't you like those voice wrestling guys, they'd struggle to answer. It's just because uh, they'd say, I don't know. I don't know. The rest of my circle of friends don't like them. You know, it, 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 that's really what it's come down to. What are we doing that's so heinous? Right. And, and the one thing that I thought was pretty funny, too, is a lot of those same people will at the same time engage and talk to and, and, and retweet people that are like on our network and write for our site and and people that we work with on a daily basis for the site. And that's that's always been one of my you know pet peeves as well, is that everybody sort of says, oh, voice wrestling, they're stupid or oh, voice. Re-. And like, oh, that's fine. If you want to say that, then it's not that hard to say the voice wrestling Twitter account, which is Joe and I sucks or Joe. I mean, it's very more times than not. It's pretty obvious when, when it's you tweeting and me tweeting if we don't tag it. And we're, 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 we're trying to get better at that. And I know sometimes we do forget or whatever but if you want to say hey joe lanza fucking sucks and i hate him and, and he's an idiot or if you want to say rich Grace is an idiot and i he, he's fucking terrible or whatever that's fine you can do that but the, just blanket statements of oh you like the one person in particular and again i'm not going to name him because it, it's not worth it at all there was a funny tweet where they were like you should just block you know toxic places like voices of wrestling or whatever and then not more than two tweets later they're retweeting you know somebody that that does People podcasts understand. on our network yeah and it's like you don't realize like you can block us all you want but like it, it, it's not just joe and i or whatever yeah you can say that twitter account's annoying or whatever but like it's not us it's not you know we we don't speak for the entire site and that's one thing that i've always uh you know pride myself on is there are a lot of great voices on the site that do great podcasts that do great writing that do awesome previews and awesome columns and great jobs on reviews or whatnot so to kind of paint everybody with a broad brush is it's just never been fair but yeah like you said it's just people just decide that they don't like us and 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 the best part is is like i swear to god i have never you know and, and maybe there are people you know you can speak up if you are one of those people but and you're going to talk about your adventures here at wrestlemania but i've met you know 
hundreds of people that have listened to the show or, or, or read through the website or whatever. And I'll be honest, I don't think of one of them. You know, I, I don't feel like I had a bad conversation with any of them. I feel like every time it's been really cordial and really good. And I've made some pretty decent, you know, real life friends out of this as well. So, you know, it's like if, if you just know us and actually, you know, get to know what we do and what this website's all about, like more times than not. And, and we're kind of preaching to the choir here for, for most people listening to this. But like, if we're the bad toxic people in your life, then you really need to find, you, you know, some some things in your life that that that, that really will stress you out because I, I you know what I mean like if we're the bad if we're the worst thing in your life you should count your blessings because we're I think pretty okay people yeah I don't know I don't know what it is that, that that we're doing that's so fucking heinous but I mean you know it's like look not everyone's gonna like this show no, everyone's gonna opinions. like our I mean, Twitter if feed. you have a strong opinion about anything people are gonna say that's right it. and that's and that's, that's the right. one thing that anytime anybody ever offers to do a podcast or write an article or or do anything for on this us. website I say. The one thing is, 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 are you passionate about it? They'll, they'll say, Oh, Hey, what do you want me to write about? And I said, you know, no, it doesn't matter what I want you to write about. What do you want to write about? What are you passionate about? And that's how we've every single staff member, every single person that's ever written for the site. That's I, I have said that word to them. And I've had that conversation with them. I've said, what are you passionate about? Then go do it. That's what this is all about. It's about passion. And and for some people, they get they get upset at that when they're because they're passionate about something on their end. We're passionate about something on our end. But it's just like it, it doesn't have to be this volatile. It doesn't have to be this toxic. Like I don't know why you know being passionate about something can cause so much uproar. And and, and, and yeah, like there's so many worse people out there that like if we're the target of your ire, then I I don't know what to I don't if, even know what if, to say. If, if everybody likes you, you're not doing it right. You know, because if you're gonna have strong opinion, and here's the thing: if we're that terrible, why aren't these people slapping the block button? Because they're using, they're yeah. Why are they hitting us. the follow button? I mean, there was a one person yeah. that yeah. that was like straight up. I, I think there was a conversation. The one person was like, "Well, I just fucking hate those guys and they're fucking idiots or whatever." And I tweeted at him. I'm like, "Well, you, okay, well, this, us, dude. Well, hold on now. <laughs> this guy's fair game because he's in the wrestling business. This is MLJ from CZW. There you go. Okay. And this guy follows us. <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, us. don't follow and, us then. And, like, you don't have and, to. You're, I'm not at gunpoint telling you to follow me. Like, and he's cool. and and he subtweets us incessantly." says horrible things about us all the time calls me a fucking idiot calls me a fucking moron yeah these guys are pieces of shit like look at his timeline it's all there and it's like you know it's like why are you following us then you know unfollow and go one step further and just block us if our opinions are not offensive to you go away you you can control this i'm gonna rich i'm gonna tell you why i'm gonna tell you why because they're using us as the impetus uh, you know, to to relay their act. Well, no more, no more. People pull that shit now. We're gonna just you know go ahead do do them the favor and block them. So they if if they can't control their own impulses, we'll control it for them. I mean, MLJ's a guy. I mean, I, I have no idea why he says these. And, and with him, it's just because he doesn't like our wrestling opinions. Imagine saying these disgusting things about people because you don't like their wrestling opinions. I mean, but this is a guy who'll walk right past me in New Orleans and not even look me in the eye. But that's all, you know, what are you going to do? Same thing with the piss guy, the guy that told us he was going to piss on us. I was right there in New Orleans, staring right at him. I, he didn't whip his dick out. So, I mean, you know, I, it's what is this? You know, I mean, it, over wrestling opinions. It's crazy. So, I, I, you know, I don't know. And then, you know, today I put out the mock tweet running down what we're going to do on the show, totally playing off the tweets I made earlier in the week. And the same thing happens <laughs> again, because like again, it. context, context, context. I it actually said in the tweet, we're going to do a non-controversial show. And then I listed all of the controversial things from the week. All of our followers got it. 
and they, they slapped the fave button. If you read the conversation below the tweet, everyone understood and got it. But, you know, then it gets retweeted out and people parachute in who don't follow and they lack the context. And that is why Twitter sucks. That is why Twitter is a horrible medium. Uh, you know, unless you're just going to be dry and vanilla and it's just it's, it's never going to end well. Because and, and because and the other thing is people are just so eager to dunk that they're just so, so eager to find a tweet and 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 get off the perfect dunk buckles and hit refresh and and you know wait for the back pats. It's you know it, it's it, it's kind of just silly. It's all silly, you know. So anyway. Twitter fucking blows. What else we got <laughs> to we do go. today? Oh, we got plenty of stuff to get to today. It's been a while since you and I have talked. How, how long has it actually been? Has it been about four or five weeks now at this probably, point? Probably about a month. Yeah, it's nuts here. We got, uh, yeah, we got, you're, we're going to run down a little bit of your trip to uh, New Orleans. And the way we're going to do it is pretty interesting, too. We're going to, you know, you're going to go over wh- what shows you went to, the people you met, the things you saw. And we're going to kind of wrap around in a modern, you, you know, a current event sort of context as well. So when you were at Evolve, we'll talk a little bit about Evolve, but we're not going to break down those shows, you know, match by match because that's excruciating and the shows are 20 plus days old at this point but we're gonna you know you, you went to evolve now let's talk about what's going on involved currently you went to a game changer wrestling we're gonna talk about that so we're gonna kind of all wrap it up into current events current things that are kind of going on while also sort of talking about your trip and, and the people you met and the things you did so good stuff like that uh, all japan pro wrestling's champion uh, champion carnival we're gonna talk about that a little bit a lot of good stuff going on uh with that we've seen the shows we've kind of caught up and there's some cool little block uh play going on right now so we'll talk uh, a little bit about that and then we have a new japan pro wrestling preview uh they have hinokini coming up um uh, later this week, they have wrestling Dontaku uh, early next week. So I think we need to get to some of those right now because I don't know uh, if we're gonna. I, I don't know exactly when we're gonna record next week, but probably a good idea to at least touch on the Dontaku shows coming up, and then uh, yeah, some other stuff uh, along the way as well. But uh, before we do all that, Joe, do you want to let the people know about something that is not silly and that is Dollar Shave Club? There's nothing silly about Dollar Shave Club, Rich. If you ever shower, or brush your teeth, or try to make your hair look presentable, I've got good news for you. Who doesn't try to shower, brush their teeth, and make their hair look presentable? Yeah, if you ever shower, correct. I like yeah. If you ever shower, good plus, which is a good thing. But uh, I guess some people don't make their hair presentable. But uh, yeah, the shower part you should definitely do. It did and say or though, right? It says it says if you ever shower or brush your teeth or try to make your hair look presentable, I would certainly hope <laughs> I do all three. But, that everybody listening to this show does one, at least one of those three well, things. You, you should at least basis. definitely do two out of the three. The shower and brush your teeth should be non-negotiable. If you The hair thing, whatever. I mean, if you, you're kind of cool with the hair being whatever, you should definitely shower and you should absolutely brush your teeth, though. Some people like that intentionally disheveled hair. You know what I mean? But uh, I think everyone should be showering and brushing their teeth. <laughs> right. I agree with that. Uh, well, anyway, I've got hot good take. That's a hot take, Joe. <laughs> There's some people that don't have water, Joe. How dare I, you? I don't know. I, I think a lot of these people getting on us on Twitter probably don't brush their teeth and make their hair look presentable. But what are you going to do? Uh, I've got good news for everybody else, though. I'm not sure Dollar they should, to be honest. But... Well, we are dealing with wrestling fans here. Uh, Dollar Shave Club has a lot of stuff to help you out. Don't you love how we bury everyone who listens every week on this? Yet they, they Why do people back. hate us? Why do people hate us, Joe? <laughs> I, I don't understand. Why people they don't, don't shower. Uh, yeah. I've got good news for most of you. Dollar Shave Club has a lot of stuff to help you out. Dollar Shave Club is more than just razors. They deliver everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. You name it. There's shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that will leave your tush feeling tingly clean. Now, if you think Joe Lanza wrote that copy, you're out of your mind, but that's what it says. I didn't for the record, I did not either. So Tush. What, what was that show again? What, what's the wipe going to do? Uh, that wipe will leave your tush feeling tingly clean. Ooh, okay. Yeah. It's peppermint, the butt wipe, right? 
it is peppermint. Yeah. Does it? Uh, I, I the nurse steals it all, so I don't know. Is it? it does it feel tingly? Yeah, it does feel tingly. Clean. Okay. And I gotta go. tell you, I'm ready for butt play every time. We of course are huge fans of the One Wipe Charlies, but also the Amber and Lavender Calming Body Cleanser. Good luck finding a product that great at your local store. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. You will feel the difference. We promise because we use this stuff, Rich. You use all of it. The body cleanser, the shave butter. Uh, we just, I just don't get the str- I don't get the wipes though. Yeah, I, I, I use that amber, the, the amber and lavender thing. I use all the time. That thing I love. But yeah, I just don't get the butt wipes. And we got a new shipment uh, a few days ago, and I look, and there's already two of the butt wipes in the fucking garbage. I'm like, come on, the hell? Let me use one of them. She 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 gets them. Well, I can, val- I can vouch for the uh, tush wipes, my friend. Okay, thank you. Uh, shipping is free with your membership, and here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products, all the ones we're talking about now. For just 5 bucks. you can get their Daily Essentials starter set. This comes with the Body Cleanser, One Wipe Charlies, which are the amazing butt wipes, uh, their world-famous shave butter, which I love. The shave butter is tremendous. And their best razor, the one that Joe Lanza uses, the Six Blade Executive. Keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month, and you can add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. So, uh, again, we haven't done a show in about a month. Rich is uh, skipping off to Malibu. Uh, Joe's skipping off to Vegas. Joe's San Diego. I was to- all over the place. I was trendsetting. I, I get back. You leave. I, you're doing this. Yeah, it was, we were all over the place. I was in – different towns you were making towns we're all 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 different towns you got married by the way that was kind of cool how'd that go uh it went fantastic and if you are a patreon subscriber you got to witness the ceremony <laughs> i still How can't believe that, that. Yeah, i still I, I i said it last week on the flagship uh when i was doing i did i you know i did a solo with or i i did a solo intro and then did uh interviews with jeff hawkins and john cotter and i was like i still cannot believe that if you go to our patreon there's a fucking video of your wedding listen <laughs> we're such whores god weddings are big draws they're big television they draws. They're big time ratings draw. Uh, they're big time rating draw. Wrestling 101, baby. There is no reason I wouldn't whore myself out <laughs> and whore out what's supposed to be the greatest day of my life uh, to make a few bucks. You know what I mean, Rich? So uh, I have no shame. What did the uh, uh, what did the lovely Brittany say about this is going up on Patreon immediately? Uh, she's – listen, she's a lot like me. She doesn't – She's she don't care. I mean uh, if you were following the Lanza Lens, of course, she was all over it. You know, she's uh, she she's a good sport, Rich. She's a good egg. Why do you think I married her? You know, you got to be able to keep up with the king of banter if if you're going to marry the king of banter. You know what I mean? So, uh, no, she's she's tremendous, which is uh, why she's the love of my life and why I married her. So uh, she was fine with that. Uh, you know, she just did what she usually does. She rolled her eyes and, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, just... that's that's about what I get. I get the, oh, my God, you're so lame. You're so stupid. And then, you know, whatever. I said, hey, look, I could I could we can make money off this. That's, yeah, that's what I always say. Yeah, I always say with the Patreon and with anything. I'm like, hey, look, you know, I make some money with this. And you know, I keep telling her that, like we're going to have some extravagant, you know, house at some point. It's like, yeah. I know it will like, pay bills a little more comfortably, maybe if I do this, but you know, but you know, I always got to say, Hey, look, big bucks coming here. Yeah. So, uh, she just rolled her eyes and she let me put it up. I hate that video, by the way. Um, uh, I look like a fat sausage stuffed into that outfit. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a terrible angle. Uh, not a good angle. Um, which is why <laughs> that's not the, that's not my favorite part though you you know what my favorite part of that entire wedding video is oh the me. sirens going off oh, my God. I love yeah. 
That's you know. That's I had the nurse in like she couldn't even she couldn't even breathe. She was laughing so much because it's like this great moment. Like everything's looking good. Like TLB is getting kind of emotional. Like you're, yeah. you, I can tell you're kind of just there. And all of a sudden, in the most in the greatest Las Vegas moment ever, the greatest like little chapel Las Vegas wedding ever. There's just fucking police sirens over like the, yeah. the hook, like the big thing, like the fucking finishing sequence. Yeah, during the finish. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's a yeah. It's like if there's like you know Brock sets up for the F five and then like the sprinklers. Go off in the entire arena. It's yeah, like, you know, someone's like getting stabbed somewhere. Someone's getting stabbed at MGM Grand, and uh, you know. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was perfect, though. Like, you know what I mean? And it was like, and you guys both kind of chuckled. And it's like, and you say all the time, like, it's those little things that are so great about it. Like, you know, when 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 I proposed to to Michelle, and, and you mentioned that we, you know, I've talked about this privately as well. You know, there was a place I wanted to propose to her at, and it was like way too windy and way too nuts. And I was like, oh, geez, like, and this is in San Francisco where I was going to do it. So I kind of decided, okay, I'm going to do it at this spot. So. I go to like set up doing it and I like, you know, I'm nervous. So I can't fucking like move the zipper. Like I can't even get, I'm like trying to do it all smooth and it doesn't work at all. And like, she knows the drill and she can kind of figure out what the fuck's going on at this point. And, you know, I don't even know what to say. She's just sitting there laughing at me. And it's like those great moments. Like you said, like sometimes you can always kind of unify around that where it's like, yeah, it wasn't this storybook, like unbelievable Cinderella story thing. It was like, but it's exactly what you have with that person where it's just like, of course, this would be awkward and just a complete disaster or whatever. And that's kind of like, you know, I'm not saying that you guys, but like, you know what I mean? Like I saw both of you guys kind of laugh at that moment too, which I think is perfect. It's just like, yeah, that would happen. Like whatever, who cares? Like, this is great. We're still getting married. Who gives a shit? That. And we also almost lost it when he, uh, when, when this dollar store preacher, whatever he was that you get at these places, uh, when he was like, uh, I want you guys to think of the first night you met. Oh boy! <laughs> and I nearly spit. I mean, because okay, I don't so, want to know about the first night you met Joe. <laughs> no, full, full full disclosure. No, it, it it this starts off horrible but ends up very sweet. Okay, <laughs> and you can get into this when we do that wife swap podcast that we keep teasing that we are gonna do, but it's hard to coordinate four people. Um. <laughs> okay, so full disclosure, and this will come to the shock of no one. Okay, we met on Tinder, and the idea was just to bang. Okay, but then we met and we didn't bang. We talked. We got to know each other. There was an instant connection and we fell in love instantly. See, I told you Richard was going to end. Oh, wow. I was kind of nervous. This was a this was a supposed to be a Tinder hookup. And it it, it did it. it, it, And the the purpose was we are going to bang. But then it it, we it, it just. We fell into each other's eyes. What can I say? You know, I think we banged like a couple days later and the next time. But but the, the point here is when he said, think of the night you met, we both almost lost it because we're like, oh, that's that's actually uh, not a conventional way that two people meet when they're just supposed to bang each other at 2.30 in the morning. But, hey, it worked for us. So, so yeah, that and the, and the sirens. I got to be honest. I didn't even hear the sirens in real time. I didn't hear the sirens until I watched it back. So I don't know if I was just, uh, you know, in such deep thought or whatever, but I, I didn't even, I don't know how I didn't notice because that's all you can hear once they start, but, uh, I didn't even notice the sirens, but yeah, so it's still up, isn't it? Uh, it is. Yes. If you go to patreon.com slash voice wrestling, you'll be able to find it uh, pretty easily. It'll be right up there. Yes. Uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely good stuff. And yeah, we are, there is no, I, I'm trying to think of how low we can now stoop at that point. Like maybe like a live cam, like a, a lens of like, you know, if, if, if the nurse and I have a child and the next thing, you know, like that, like of childbirth is about the lowest we could possibly go. Right. I don't know if there's any lower we can do. How about a hot vid of consummating the marriage? How about that? How about I put that up there? 
Uh, nah. I mean, well, when things get desperate, let's wait till we kind of get down. If, if we get below 1K, I, I, we'll, we'll talk. So say, keep it safe. Get Why on the you cloud. Just, you, know what's, you know what's fucked up? You just assume I have that video. Of course you, you, you do. You, yeah, of course you do. I may have a few minutes of it, that, but <laughs> the, po- the point is, it's it's wild how you just assume that. Yeah, it's like the conversation. You like you don't laugh, you don't put it over. You just it's just yes, that is something Joe would have. You yeah, would have probably, yeah. So, but not many different angles. You just got you know, like you said, just a few minutes of it. You know, it's not something you need to exploit. Jeez, well, I mean, I'm not a professional porn director. I yeah, mean, right, right. <laughs> I'm working with a phone here. What do you want from? What do you mean? Multiple I want a tripod. I want a tripod. So I know you're a production guy, but geez. I oh mean, yeah, when I do it, it's it's three cams. You know, I'm switching as I. You know, yeah, it, it's a full. It's a full. You know. Uh, yeah, I'm working with a with an Android here. I can't. You know, <laughs> what do you want from me? Um, <laughs> but yeah. So yes, yes, I did get married, and uh, I did bravely post it for the world to see. So well, not for the world. If if you want to pay up, you can see it. So. Uh, is that open for the two dollar tier? It is for the two. Anybody, if you're yeah, just a you Patreon in one way or another, you get it. So not bad. There you go. But uh, yeah, so New Orleans for me, Malibu and San Diego for you, uh, and then uh, Vegas for me. So yeah, it's been about a month. Um, you sir, don't think I wasn't going to call you out. Okay, uh, Joe Lanza may have gotten married, but you did something on your trip that uh, I think you know. We if we're going to undress Joe Lanza here. Uh-oh. Okay, we got to undress Krach, Captain Krach. Okay, Mr. Straight Laced over here. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all, but okay. okay, go on. From what I understand, you smoked a little bit of the marijuana on your vacation, and you are now addicted, and you've <laughs> lost your job. You've, <laughs> you've got a refrigerator full of Mountain Dew. You've got a freezer full of Hot Pockets. And, uh, okay, and not just, even a few of those things are two of those three are, are, are sometimes true, but not even the regular you decide which of those you've got, yeah. you've got like the Mountain Dew amped, you know, and, and, and you've got uh, it's you actually know, kickstart, by the way, but that's fine. You've been eating Cool Ranch Doritos and I don't, just like, hit, I don't like the corn spicy and just, made, but. and just hitting that fucking bong <laughs> on a daily basis. Now, this is what I hear. Um, how much of that is true and how much of that is false. Uh, OK, so what was it? So quit my job, uh, Doritos, Mountain Dew, I, I about hmm, about. Two of the four things were correct there. Well, no, actually, uh, let me let me say you know, about six things. About three of the six were, were, were correct. So about fifty percent of what you said was correct. But uh, so, yeah, I was uh, in. You yeah, lived in California. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, well, I mean, you're in California, and and it was um, interesting enough. I don't. Yeah, this will never come up, so it's fine. Uh, the person that we uh, <laughs> like the person the person is never going to know, and they're never going to the, the person. So you're in California, and obviously with with California, this this at the beginning of this year, they passed a law. You know, they had previously decriminalized it or whatever, and they passed a law now where it was legal. I mean, you could just walk into you know certain stores and and whatnot, and and just with a, a, an ID to prove that you're over 21, you can buy marijuana, which I, we thought was pretty cool. So we went to we went to a store. It was actually completely crowded, and that's kind of the fun fact of it. I said we we went to a store uh, and we kind of checked it out and walked around a little bit, and some guy you know asked us questions and whatnot, but it was just like packed. There was a ton of people there completely busy like there was no way we were going to get out of there in any decent amount of time and we're in california and i don't really feel like spending like an hour and a half you know waiting in a line to buy you know a bunch of marijuana or whatever and it wasn't gonna be that much like i felt bad i don't want to waste it like there was people making like very good transactions with me being like hey i just want to you know try this for the 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 you know just to you know because i'm in california just to kind of fuck around and try it or whatever so uh later at that day we were talking about it with uh with somebody we know one of the nurse's uh friends uh, who who moved down to San Diego, and the reason she moved down to San Diego, she is uh, she's married to to a doctor that she met at you know uh, the nurses' hospital or whatever. So you know they live in San Diego now or whatnot. So we kind of mentioned this, 
and he kind of screws away a little bit and then he comes back with like a box full of shit and he's like well what do you guys want and we're like what the hell are you talking about what do you what do you mean and he's like well i'm, I'm about to start a new job so i can't have any of this because you know obviously being a doctor it's probably not a great idea to be smoking marijuana and then you know he's going to get drug tested as he starts and, and that'll you know obviously want to ruin his career or whatever but he kind of essentially said and and Hey, here's, here's, you know, here's all I have. What do you guys want or whatever? And we were just complete. So he eventually made us a bunch of stuff and, and, and sent us home with it. So that's, you know, in, in the weird sort of story is the, uh, a doctor in San Diego uh, gave us a bunch of marijuana and we smoked it on a beach. So what was your first experience with marijuana? Like, um, you know, I, I was kind of, I wasn't sure what to do. The nurse had a, like a really horrible experience when she was younger. So she wasn't really, she was kind of nervous about it. I had no idea what to think. I know because I have a bunch of friends that do it. And, you know, I've been in the same room with them. I've, I've hung out with them as they're doing it throughout the day. And and my experience was exactly what it was on those days. And I always thought it was kind of weird is like we would be playing video games or whatnot and, and doing whatever. And like, I would always become like hyper-focused, like just crazy, whatever I had my mind to at that moment, I would just hone in on that. I'd get it. I'd be like, you know, you have a little bit of a buzz, but you'd be just like honed in on this one thing. And that's exactly what happened. Um, when we were sitting on the beach and we're watching kind of the sunset and watching the waves or whatever. And I was just like hundred percent of my life was looking at those waves and looking at the sunset. And like, I didn't, I, I had no other care in the world. I had nothing else. It was like kind of interesting. It was, a, it was, a, it was an interesting buzz. It wasn't uh, the same sort of buzz I have from like alcohol or anything else. It was just a very, very focused and, and it actually, it didn't last that long. And I was fine. Like I didn't feel anything, you know, later that night, I didn't feel anything that morning. It was like for like an hour and a half or though, or, or so I was just like, Hey, I'm like super focused on watching this water and, and watching these waves and kind of enjoying that. And we went and got tacos and, and then I was focused on eating those tacos. And then, uh, yeah, that was it. How much did you purchase when you got back to Chicago? None. We, it's, a, it's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's medical here still. So do you, do you, do you, do you have a guy? In, I don't No, I know nothing. I know nothing of the game at all. That's you, uh, I'm, I'm, you're lying. <laughs> I'm, I don't, I don't know anything. Does your guy deliver on a bike? Does he, <laughs> does he make you a scooter, out it's a scooter Joe, than a bike? But. Sketchy apartment. I mean, how does it work? Like, I have no clue, man. Yeah, I don't know. My buddy, uh, one of my friends gets it from a, a guy that works at the United Center. So that's kind of a fun uh, little tidbit there. Uh, one of my other guys got it from a guy that ran a uh, skate shop. Uh, the guy that ran the skate shop got murdered, though. So uh, that's no longer his guy. So, yeah, I, uh, I don't get involved in that because of those sort of stories. So I don't, uh, I don't have a guy. So I just rely on, like, sometimes my friends having them. And and I like I, I don't ever do it ever before, but uh, you know maybe some other times now. I'll... There you have it. Rich now has a vice. <laughs> now confirmed pothead. He is a big fan of the devil's lettuce. And, uh, <laughs> Once for twenty minutes, and yeah, no. I'm a... You you are a proponent of the devil's lettuce, and you that that's your thing. Look, I'm a horny perv, and and yeah. and and you are a pothead. Uh, we all have our things. Mm-hmm. So uh, eventually. At some point on this show, we're going to get to some wrestling. Uh, we're going to take a wild ride through my New Orleans experience. Is that what we're going to do first? Let's do here? it. Let's go. Yep. Yeah. So uh, what did I do? I did four, five, six. I think I did nine shows total in three days. I think that's what it was. Uh, got the hell out of town on uh, early Sunday morning on my couch right out, just as the clock struck five in time for the WrestleMania pre-show as uh, – as, as that was some show, huh, Rich? I'm sure you talked about it already last week. I did, and I, I we were so we were in uh, we were still in Malibu at that day. We were going to leave for San Diego the, the next day or whatever. And you know, the nurse kept saying, "Oh, we can go home and watch WrestleMania." And I, and I was like, I, "It's really not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal, or whatever." Well, she got tired anyway. We decided let's you know let, let's go back or whatever. And I, I'm still trying to kind of adjust to the time, so I'm looking at the time and going, "Ah, you know, the show's probably almost over at this point." Like, yeah, we'll we'll go home and I'll watch the main event or whatever. I turn on and, and Joe, I'm not kidding. 
this is seven or eight or whatever uh, in you know California time, and it's like halfway through the show. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god! When that show ended, I was tired on the West Coast. I cannot fathom people on the East Coast or people in the Central Time Zone. I was exhausted <laughs> when it was over. It was like it was like ten or eleven when in the West Coast when it was over. I can ridiculous how long that show fucking was. And <laughs> and yeah, it was well. The best part is so I I get home and I turn it on and it's the Dan O'Brien show, man. You know you know. So the match ends or whatever. Michelle was like, "Oh, that was kind of cool. Like, is that it?" And I'm like, "Oh fuck no! You think that's it?" I was like, "This thing's got like two more hours." And then she just went to bed. So the the, the problem isn't so much the length; it's just that the show was bad. So you have a show that's bad. That's also that long. And, I, and I'm like the only person on the planet who liked the main event. You know? So it's like, you know, then so it's, it's long. It's bad. It's not good. And then the main event leaves a bad taste in, in everybody's mouth. And it's like, holy shit. And this, remember, don't let people change the narrative. On, on paper, this was a very strong WrestleMania lineup, especially compared to recent years. And it just fucking did not deliver. And here's the bad part. You know the sad part about this? is the show is so goddamn long, Rich, that it started off great. Like, the first hour and a half, I thought, was, was like, people were like, wow, this is on its way to being one of the best manias of all time. But the show is so fucking long now that it's reached a point where you're never going to have a great mania again. I firmly believe that because the show is too fucking long, and this company cannot help but trip over their own feet if they're putting on anything longer than, than three hours. I, they just they, they can't do it. They, they're going to shit themselves at some point, and they shit themselves on this show. The, the, from the middle stretch all the way through the main event, which I'll concede I'm, I'm, I'm the outlier, this show was bad um, and, and loaded with just shit. I don't know what the hell that Braun Strowman thing was, and it's like that was terrible. Um, you know, there was what? There was at least three or four squash matches on this show. When you know it, it, it's crazy for a show that's seven hours long, they still manage to have like three, four minute squash matches. How to or less? Like how's that possible? How is there not time for these matches on a seven hour show? You know it's amazing. You know the the the, the cruiserweight match on the pre show, which everyone was looking forward to, got Vince McMahon up, and they're busy screaming heart and soul at each other instead of just wrestling. And that match was fucking garbage. And it's like, you know, and then the first three or four matches on the show were pretty good, and, and we're on our way here with these can be great mania, and then it just falls off the fucking cliff. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know what to say about these shows anymore. I have defended the length in the past. You have always buried the length. I have defended the length. I have always said if every company wants to have their biggest show of the year and flex their muscles a little bit and, and put on a, a thousand-hour show – more power to them. Go ahead. The hardcore fan's going to sit there and enjoy it. But I, I think I'm coming more around to your side. There is no reason that this thing needs to be seven hours long. And they have proven that they're horrible at the time management aspect of it. And 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 it, it, they cannot – this company cannot deliver a good seven-hour show. I'm not sure any company can. But this company certainly cannot deliver a good a, a seven-hour show that does not leave a bad taste in your mouth in some form or fashion. And this show definitely left a bad taste nearly universally in everybody's mouth. So um, I don't know. You got anything else to add? I'm sure you've talked. Not you talk much. Yeah, I talked about it a week, lot right? last week. Yeah, and, and, and stuff. I think, yeah, I mean, the, the, the kind of the big takeaway, and I'm kind of curious on your, your takeaway, I guess we, we should mention the main event. I don't know if anything else was – and that's the other thing too is like when it's all said and done, I don't know how much was really newsworthy. It, it, it feels like a very non-canon show at this point. 
uh, WrestleMania because like a lot of stuff you think should be built up and a lot of things should kind of lead to new pads or, or, or end pads or whatever, but it almost kind of feels like a show in of itself uh, in certain points. I mean, obviously you have Styles and Nakamura now that's led to, you know, a story there. You have the Brian, you know, coming back and that that's the story of that, which by the way, that match, you know, to, 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 <laughs> you're going to have Taylor Bryan come back. He's going to get knocked out within two seconds. Then you're going to have Shane McMahon take the brunt of the, the, the match what? Why would you? Do and, that? and that's one of the better matches on the show. I know, and I like that match too. But it's like, what are you doing? Like, structure be the guy. Like, yeah, you got Daniel Bryan taking out. It's, it's, amazing. it's amazing. What? It's amazing. Why? Yeah. Like, and that match is fine. I enjoyed it, but like, what? Well, well, yeah, you enjoyed it when Daniel Bryan came in and clean house because Daniel Bryan's great. And you, you, Daniel Bryan comes back for his return match, and he instantly gets power bombed on the floor and doesn't work half the match. I mean, what the fuck are you doing? And then AJ Nakamura, okay, besides the fact that they fucking shit the bed and went out there and had a three-star fucking a match that if it was a TV match, you would never remember it again. But why did they do the television angle at Wrestle? Shouldn't they have done Nock turning heel on TV a month before the match and then at WrestleMania had the big blow-off match? Why does this company... I mean, the simplest things. They did a television angle at WrestleMania. They should have done that before the WrestleMania match to heat up the WrestleMania match. It just, it, it just, it just, it's just, oh, the last four hours of <laughs> this fucking monstrosity <laughs> were just, you know, and, 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 and keep in mind, I liked Brock Roman. I'm the only one, but I even liked the main event, and I thought this thing was just long and, 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 there was so much shit and left the bad taste and um, too many squashes. And um, look, I can live with the Undertaker Cena squash. I actually like that story. Cena talks all this shit, begs this guy to wrestle him. So the guy says, all right, fucker. And then he just beats him in a minute and a half. I don't really have a problem with that. And I think especially if it sets up a match next year or, you know, whatever, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't uh, at least leaves the door open to setting up a match next year. Um, but but I mean you know a, a lot of the rest of it it's just it just wasn't a good show and keep and again this is a great show on paper so you just can't trust WrestleMania to deliver anymore uh, like we always say Takeover always delivers did you break that down with Hawkins I didn't listen to the whole thing uh, we did not we didn't touch on Takeover all that much yeah, yeah so that that I'd, I'd like to actually talk a little bit about Takeover and if we can get to because that's not a show that you attended but uh, yeah I thought that was a uh, pretty awesome show top to bottom I, I can't yeah, Takeover really... always delivers you can yeah. always have faith in Takeover and and at this point because of the length of the show and like you said it's non-canon at this point I think everyone realizes WrestleMania it's like they set it up look. It was set up very well this year, but then the event happens and it, it, it feels like nothing that happens at WrestleMania matters. What the fuck? Did, how did the main event matter when they're having a rematch in three days? Right. You know, that's just the most glaring example, but it's like nothing that ever, you know, it, that happens on that show seems to matter anymore. Um, it, you know, and, and at that length and, you know, with them trying to make it a, a, a spectacle and about, you know, the moments you can just never count on that show being great anymore. And it really is a shame because they have the most loaded roster in the history of wrestling. Yeah, it was, it was an amazingly and, built mania too. I mean, that's that was kind of the yeah. prevailing thought when it was all said and done. When I did that that big preview, uh, the podcast, it was like when it was, you, you know, Andrew and I talked about it and we're like, this this has been a great built WrestleMania. It looks great on paper. Like, I was amped for it. I was geeked out for it. I mean, I was like, shit, there, there's a lot of great matches on this show. And like, yeah, once it was all, you know, it was fine. It was okay. It was good. But yeah, yeah when, when you know, it's you deliver this mega show and it's going to be this thing and this culmination 
culminate and it just didn't have it didn't yeah like you said it just doesn't feel like you know we're, we're 20 days out now and i don't know that wrestlemania solved anything or, or, or i don't feel like anything was resolved or anything was kind of started by it it was you know i guess aj knocked is started on kind of a different path but what else really i mean but shit should start at mania it should end at mania right it's like the, the Asuka thing. They ended that. I mean, you know, I, I get it, uh, the streak or whatever. But um, so th- there are some things. I mean, but I, I just it's it's too long, and and, and I, I don't think that there's ever going to be under this current format. I think it's going to be next to impossible to have a great one ever again. It's too long. Takeover is always a fucking lock. It's always going to deliver. Um, I do think this takeover is somewhat overrated, um, but it doesn't mean I don't think it's great. I thought it was a great show. Um, I didn't like Gargano uh, Ciampa as much as other people did. I did think it was uh, a very good match. I didn't think it was this great, um, you know, I don't even know what you thought of it, but I didn't think it was this great seminal match that a lot of people are saying that it is. I thought it was a very good match. It's it's not going to make my match of your list. I won't even sniff it, honestly. I thought it was a little too long, um, but I get it. They were telling this story or whatnot. And, and I understand, and it's not like I didn't like it. I just didn't like it as much as other people. And I didn't like the ladder matches as much as a lot of people did. I thought, I don't know. I'm just over those kind of matches. I, I look, I, I respect the crazy things that they did and they really do a lot of crazy things. Honestly. Um, I think we've seen it all with these ladder matches. That's the problem. Um, but, um, I don't know. It just, it seemed like just a collection of one spot after another. And while it did come off spectacular at, at, at points, it never grabbed me. You know, I respect the shit out of everybody that was in it and the things that they did, but I wasn't as high on those two matches as everybody else was. So I, yeah, I do think it was a great event. show. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go, no, 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 I was finished. I was just going to say I do think it was a great show. I just don't think I loved it at the same level as everybody else. Yeah, I mean, for, for I'll start off with the ladder match. I mean, that's one that, I, you know, Dave went five stars with. A lot of people really enjoyed. And I thought it was very good, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't be. That's not a five-star star match. No, Come no. Because my issue with it, and which is the issue I think that, that, that you know, people that will have criticisms of it were, you know, A, I don't, I don't really agree that they did a ton of insane stuff. I think they did a few fun spots throughout, but I don't know that it was like this insane, oh my God, I cannot believe what I just saw, you, you know, match. And the other problem too was with so many people in the ladder match that there was long periods of guys just like, where the hell did Ricochet go for, for 15 minutes or whatever, you know, stuff like that. And that always kind of irks yeah. me a little bit. I mean, that's the, that's a, a match that probably would have been better, you know, cut in half or, or, or better, you know, at 20 minutes versus, you know, 31 minutes or whatever the hell it was. It was somewhere around there, 31, 32, somewhere in that range. But uh, yeah, like so, and it just felt like it was sort of leading. Okay, build up, build up, build up. Okay, here's this crazy spot, kind of. Okay, now let's all kind of fall on the floor again. Now these guys are gonna build up, build up, build up. You know, kind of a nut spot. Like so, it's kind of that. It didn't feel like it had a very good flow. So that's that's why. Yeah, it would be nowhere near five stars. I, I enjoyed. it. I thought it was very good, but nothing to that level. Um, Elster Black almost. I think. Not my favorite match on the show, but definitely my second favorite match on the show. Really enjoyed it. I thought that was well worked and 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 well developed. And I thought it was just the you know it was the perfect length i think and that was one thing that i loved about that match is it it didn't overstay its welcome it didn't feel like it was too short it felt like it was the exact perfect length uh for the match it was and i think that it told a pretty good story too with vega you know coming in coming in and interfering and then her one last interference ended up kind of uh being the end for for all so i enjoyed yeah. that yeah so that, that, that was, was my favorite story. that was my favorite match of the show that was like a classic pro wrestling match, that one. You know, like that's one that, that could fit. And we, we talk about this sometimes with TakeOver, and we talk about it with other matches as well. That match you could put in any era, and it would work perfectly. You know what I mean? Like that match can go in 1981 and make perfect sense. That match can go in 2018, make perfect sense, and work. It could go in 1997 and work. It's it's one of those timeless kind of classic pro wrestling style matches that, 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 that you love. It's just, you know, it's timeless, really. Yeah, that was my favorite match on the show. Um, 
Yeah, this is this this uh, again. I, I I'm not trashing the show. I thought it was a great fucking show. Um, but yeah, I just preferred that to the two the two long. Look, it's like I don't know. It's a Gar- I, Gargano Champa. I suspect you loved. Um, so I mean, if if neither one of us were super hot to the level everybody else is on the ladder match, it's going to come down to one of those two matches. Uh, the tag thing was fine. I thought the strong turn was good. It's logical. It makes sense. I think it surprised people. Um, and then what else was there? There uh, was Baszler, Baszler and Ember Moon, which was fine. It's exactly what it needed to be. I mean, yeah. that, that I had no that problem. It wasn't a great too, match, man. but it, it told a, a, the exact story you wanted. So This is a great show, and they expanded it past two hours. Uh, you know, for it being, what, it go three hours, right? It, it went three. three it went three-hour show. And that I would say a little bit to the detriment of the main event because I think that, and I love the main event. I'm, I'm probably four and a half or so with it, but uh, some people that are going five and whatnot, it just, it felt like it was about like 10 minutes too long. It was just like, okay, I, I yes. get it. I know the story. I got what you guys are doing. Let's bring it home. Let's make it definitive. And it just, there was many times where I was watching it and, and I watched it unspoiled too, which was really good. I just stayed off, got my phone away and it, I watched it like two days later or the next day, I think. Or no, it was the next morning. So it was the morning after, you know, you know, Michelle was sleeping and I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to watch this thing. So it was like 7 a.m. And I'm watching this and, and I came unspoiled. And I was like, all right, cool. Like I and I kind of got the idea. OK, I think Gargano is going to win here. And then they would kind of take you on these different things. And 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 and, and Ciampa would just survive a little bit more or Gargano would survive a little bit more. And they, they kept surviving, kept surviving, kept surviving, kept surviving. And then at a certain point after like, you know, 10 minutes of surviving, it's like, oh, OK, I, I, I got it. Like. I get it. Like, let's 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 get to the point here, and that's that's my one criticism of it. Where you know we're going to talk about match here in a little bit on, on the Champion Carnival, which was you know not it didn't have obviously the same amount of you know uh, brevity. It, it didn't feel the same. There wasn't as much of kind of history of it. But but the Junakiyama Marafuji match, Akiyama survives, but he survives for like two minutes, five minutes, or whatever, and then it's over. Then he goes, okay. It felt like there was too much surviving in this match. You, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know if that I'm articulating it correctly, but it was just like it was just ten minutes of, of like agony. And I don't know that we quite needed that much of it. So it, it worked for the story. It was too long. Yeah, this is not the first time that Johnny Gargano has had a great match that was egregiously long. I mean, that was a big knock on him when he was an indie wrestler. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it wasn't a great match. It was. I don't think it was a five-star match. I mean, it was just – I mean, by the, by the end of that match, I, it, for me, for a match to be a five-star – okay, like Gargano almost, to me, blew this out of the water. Um, because at the end of Gargano Almas, you're when that match ends, you're like, "Wow, I just saw something special. That was amazing!" Right? At the end of this match, I'll be honest with you. My first thought was, "Finally, thank God!" Because I have shit to do. I, I just felt like it was too fucking long. And um, you know, I watched it a second time because, to be fair, the first time I watched it, I watched it in a car on my phone, uh, driving back from New Orleans. So I was like, "You know, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to sit down on the couch, relax, and really." absorb the match maybe i'll see what everybody else is seeing same thing it just it felt so fucking long i mean they really could have shaved 10 minutes off that thing and told the same story so you know that's my that's my gripe on that sounds like you have the same gripe yeah and i'm, um, I'm saying gripe but i went like for i like i still like fucking loved it you know you know and that's one of the things oh, you guys hated it like i didn't hate it at all i thought it was an incredible match it's it's one that i don't know is going to reach my match of the year it's on my list but i feel like that's a match definitely that the next time you watch it and and, and maybe this was the experience you had or it, it, i think it'll absolutely be the experience i have is when i watch it again you know in a few months it's not because it's it's not going to be that sort of match. it's very much in the moment match if you're watching it live you're watching it in the moment you're watching it in the context of the story it's probably going to be a little bit better than you know me watching it in november November, uh, again and it might not have that same level or whatnot still a great match and I, I appreciate what they did and I appreciate the callbacks and a lot of the stuff that they did with it but yeah I just don't know that it was th- this 
blow away no doubt match of the year in my mind you can still love it and 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 you know agree or whatever or, or sort of you know rationalize that it's not maybe the best match of the year or whatever you can still love it which okay, i did see, I, thought, but, I, thought yeah. that, I thought that was going to be your take because i had no idea what you thought of it um but uh but yeah i'm, I'm kind of at the same place i think that um it's 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 just and, and here's the other thing about it i think if you're not wrapped up in the story you, you might not think it's even good because i think a lot of it comes down to you really got to be you know the story is so much of it the Gargano Ciampa thing. If you're someone parachuting in who never watches this company, uh, I'm curious if there's anyone listening who is not a WWE fan, who doesn't follow the company, doesn't follow this storyline and watch this match and what they thought of it. Mm -hmm. I would like to hear from someone like that because I'm very curious because that's really all that held this together for me because I I really was getting just, bored is not the right word, but I was getting frustrated with the length of this match. Um, I, I really think they just went a little too long, but I don't know. Now we're going too long, belaboring that. We are. So, <laughs> that is true. We do that. But takeover, takeover was great. It's always great. Um, these are nitpicks. You know, it's it's not like I gave the match. You know, two and three quarter stars. I thought it was a fucking great match. Um, but yeah, so uh, I did not go to that show. But on I got into town on uh, on Wednesday night. Stayed in. Uh, we had to switch hotels. Wednesday night, I come in. We stay downtown. I get dragged to Bourbon Street. Not my scene, Rich. As you know, not my scene. Um, go back to the hotel, run into my pal Ricky Starks, run into him at the hotel, have a nice conversation with him. Uh, that was handshake number one of the weekend. I must have shake, Rich, I must have shook. You know how it is. I mean, we're not trying to fucking look. We, we just do a dopey podcast. But do you find it amazing that, like, you know, this was before my wedding, okay? I think I've hardly ever put out pictures of myself. How do these people recognize us? Because I've got people walking up to me all weekend long, and they're just, hey, are you Joanne? I'm like, how the fuck do you know who I am? Like, how do you know? You're not, you're not hearing my voice. I don't have, like, any pictures out there. Now with the wedding, there's pictures of me all over the place. But it's like it's it, it's weird to me how people just sense who you are. Do you get that same feeling in Chicago? Yeah. When yeah. Well, what I'll usually shows? do is if I'm at a place like usually, sometimes people just come up to me, you know, without me ever saying anything. Oh, hey, are you rich? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I am or whatever. Like maybe they'll see like a picture that I tweeted out and see the angle and just sort of guess that this guy is is who he is or whatever. Or, you know, they've seen maybe my face a, a few times or whatnot. Or what, what's also interesting is a lot of times I'll, I'll say, hey, I'm wearing like this shirt or whatever. Like, if, if hey, if you're here, you know, I'm wearing a blue polo or whatever. And then like for people to like. You know, I would be so like I have such weird social anxiety that there was no chance in fuck if if someone said, "Hey, I have a blue polo and I'm you know at this side of the ring," that I would ever walk up and be like, "Hey, are you rich?" Because the the idea of that guy being like, "Who the hell is rich?" would just like I just have to leave right now. You, you know what I mean? Like that would so scare me to try to like just randomly walk up to somebody and, and, and say that. So no, I, I've had that too. And I told you that one time when I was at uh, Global Wars a few years ago, I'm walking to the arena and I say something and the guy turns around. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck did I say? This got this guy upset because he kind of turned around and kind of looked at me and stared at me. And I was like, oh, fuck. And he goes, oh, my God, are you rich for voice of wrestling? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, I am. And like, had a really great conversation with him. But it was just like this thing where I'm like, oh, my God, like this guy heard my voice and 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 said, oh, that's rich from voices of wrestling. And I just like, yeah, it, it's pretty amazing to just see. At least he heard your voice. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't would... know how people got you. I'd be standing at a show or on the street, and I've got people coming up to me. It's 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 really crazy how they how they they, they just sense who you are. But uh, first show of the weekend was Thursday. It was the blood sport. Did you see the blood sport, Rich? Uh, I saw most of the blood sport. I was uh, I was at work, and I saw maybe uh, three fourths of the blood sport while I was at work. It looked like a pretty fun show. My first impressions of the blood sport were 
this is unique. Um, I, 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 I like that the guys came down with like seconds, you know, like uh, Eddie Kingston would come down to the ring with Matt Riddle or Dickinson would come down to the ring with Jaka. And it really did have a, a completely different feel than, than, than pro wrestling, uh, you know, generally has. Um, look, do I think it was a great show? I don't. Um, I, I It was fun. It was OK. I thought some of the matches were, were pretty bad. I thought uh, whatever they were doing with the referee, with the angle they were doing with the referee, that was pretty bad. Where they had the referee that was stopping the matches, uh, it seemed like they were doing a heel ref thing, which is weird on a show like this. I don't know how they were explaining it on commentary, but it was it was really bad live. Um, not every match landed; some of them did. I didn't think Minoru Suzuki, Matt Riddle was as good as everybody else did. Um, I was into seeing Minoru Suzuki live for the first time; that was cool. I was into those two guys you know, in the same match, but that match hit the floor. I couldn't see anything. I don't know. It just, it didn't land for me like it did for some others. It wasn't even close to one of the better matches I saw over the weekend. Um, you know, uh, it was an interesting concept. I thought Walter versus Tom Lawler was the best match in the show. Yeah, really that was great. That, that was really good because it, it played up to a lot of Lawler's like legit injury that he was going into. And, and yeah, I really that I'm trying to think of, of, of the card. You know, I'm, I'm clicking on it right now, but that might be it. That might be my favorite one of the entire card. I really did like that match a lot. Yeah, that was my favorite match on the show. Uh, that was a notebook match for me. I'd never seen Tom Lawler before. I was very impressed with him um, all the way around. I mean, everybody knows Walter's great, but Tom Lawler was 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 tremendous in this match, I thought. Um, and yeah, so it was a good experience. I, I don't regret going. I can tell you that I spoke to at least – well, I spoke to two different promoters who said they're going to rip this off. So you're going to see this stuff more. This stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I had a guy come up to me um, who promotes shows – and he was like, Joe, what do you think of this? And I'm like, it's it's unique. You know, everyone seems to be having a good time. I'm like, it could use some refinement. You got to have the right people. He's like, oh, we're doing it. He's like, we're doing it. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I, he's like, I, I did. He's like, this is fucking great. I don't know if, um, you know, maybe we'll just do it as a main event. So, you know, we could just take the turnbuckles down at the end of the show, do a little intermission. I don't know if I'm going to do a whole show of it, but we're doing it. And then, um, there was a second promoter too. who was like, yeah, that, you know, everyone's going to be doing this. This is just a great concept. So I don't know if that was just these guys caught up in the moment or, but, but I would suspect you're going to see this style of match, mm-hmm. you know, this blood sport style of match. Uh, you're going to see copycats, which is cool. I, I thought the uniqueness of it was pretty good. I, I think like maybe it would have been better served being somewhere else in the weekend. Like it kind of felt weird being the first show of the entire weekend. I think it might've been a good palate cleanser if it was on like a, a Friday or a Saturday or whatnot. And, and I don't know if you feel the same thing, but like, I kind of, I, I think it, no, it was cool. Cause it got like all, it, all the eyeballs were on it because it was that first show of the entire weekend, which is definitely a, a benefit, but I do think it might work a little bit better as sort of a palate cleanser later in the weekend or whatnot, but I still appreciate them doing a different concept. And, and it was a concept that worked. I mean, it's all pretty good. And it seemed like a lot of people were, were pretty excited about it. So, so good on them of trying something new and, and, and not completely shit in the bed. It, it, it absolutely like, if you had to put it on like, you know, shit's the better or, or, you know, succeeded, I would definitely put it on the succeeded side. Right. Like, Oh, they're doing it again. Yeah. I mean, you know, they got to do it again. And I'm hoping, I love the fact that game changer tries these different concepts. They don't come mm-hmm. to WrestleMania weekend and give you a game changer show. Okay. No, they, they give you these outside the box ideas and both of them have been hits. Obviously we're going to talk about spring break in a minute. Cause you saw a lot of that show too, but I love that they think outside the box and I'm hoping that blood sport, gets a better slot because that first Thursday slot, a lot of people aren't in town yet. Um, I think this needs to be, you know, in a prime slot on a Friday or Saturday. Now it's tough because you only have so many slots and you've got promotions with tenure and those sorts of things. 
but I really think this would have come off much better. This might be a perfect show for one of the midnight slots, just like the Janela thing, because it's yeah. so offbeat and different. You know, get rid of that dopey Beyond spot that they have every year. With the well, you know, I was, <laughs> I was and, saying when if if the Spectrum is shit, the better succeed. Well, boy, well Beyond, I think we can safely. Well, put I mean, them nobody bought category. tickets for that, so it's like. No. It's, I don't want to pile on, but it didn't, you know, at least they tried something different, but no one wanted to see it. Right. But and think, that's what I said in the preview. I, I appreciate them trying something different, but you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And, and that did not work. So there's gotta be something else in that, that time slot next year, I'd say. Yeah. And I mean, I think the, the blood sports show, instead of in the middle of the afternoon on Thursday, I really hope that they can maneuver uh, it into a better spot. Cause I think you'd have uh, more fans there and everything. Cause it, p- people really, a lot of people do not get in until Friday or even Saturday. Not everybody's there from, you know, Wednesday through Sunday. Um, not everyone, you know, it, it, it just is not, not everyone. But yeah, if, anyway, if, and when I go to WrestleMania weekend, I mean, I, there's no chance I'm going to be there on, on Thursday. I'm going to definitely be there. I mean, if I get there on Thursday, it's going to be Thursday night at, you know, midnight or whatever. Like there's right. no chance in hell right. that I'm ever going to be able to get the time to, to, to go on a Thursday. So no, I would, I would absolutely be on a Friday. So yeah, I'd, I'm a person that would miss that show and I would hate to miss that show. It looked like a, a hell of a lot of, a lot of fun. So I have, listen, I have nothing to back this up. I, there is no validity to this. I don't want <laughs> threads started on Reddit after this show. Word on the street, Rich, and this is just unverified bullshit. Word on the street is next year with WrestleMania in New York City, New York, New Jersey. Of course, that's where Game Changer is located. Game Changer may just attempt to do their own thing and run Bloodsport one night, Spring Break another night, and just a regular Game Changer show the other night. Why not? Now, again, I've listen, that is totally unverified, but what do you think of an what idea? What you're saying like is that? Brett Lauderdale told you this in in confidence, and now you were revealing it for the first time ever on the show. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> no, it's definitely not what I'm up to you and said, "Hey, me and Brett have been uh, talking, and this is what we're going to do." So. I mean, at this point, though, with with how popular the Janela thing is and how well Bloodsport came off, I think they would do well on their own. The problem is how far from New York City would they run right. and all those sorts of things. But but who knows? But anyway. Uh, that was the blood sport. Well, actually, you know, while you mentioned that, I guess we can kind of wrap it into a current event. And you kind of wanted to talk about this as well is that I'm going to a game changer wrestling show. And I never thought that I would ever say those words or that I would ever have the opportunity to go to that, but they're coming to Chicago, uh, here next weekend. Um, it, it's called the show called untouchables or whatever. And, and I'm going and I've heard that the tickets are selling amazingly well. Like they're, they're opening up a bigger part of this, you know, abandoned mall that they're doing. And, and I mean, if you have the opportunity to go see game changer wrestling at an abandoned mall, you can't not do that. Right. Oh, you got it. Joey go. fucking Janela and Nick Gage and, and Cyclope in an abandoned mall? Like, I, of course I got to yeah. go to that. Why are you no selling Kyle the Beast? You're right. Your boy Kyle the Beast is there. Gringo Loco. Uh, your boy Jimmy Lloyd. I got Jimmy Lloyd. I got Kyle the Beast. Oh, man. Chicago's no, Marcus I mean, Crane, as it's listed on their Facebook page, as if. As an experience, you have to go to that show. No, I mean, exactly. And, and, but it's selling well, and, and oh. it, it, it proves that some uniqueness is, it can go a long way. And Game Changer has, has sort of come into their own in terms of being a unique promotion, a, this, a different promotion. Yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you this. If they don't come up with the Janela Spring Break concept and they don't come up with the Bloodsport concept, are you going to this show oh, in no. Chicago? <laughs> no up. shot. The only reason you're going they, – they've done a tremendous job putting themselves on the map as a real indie player thanks to this outside-the-box thinking that they've done and what they've done on the, the last two WrestleMania weekends. You wouldn't even think of going to a Game Changer show otherwise. So last year we criticized them for not branding themselves well on the Janela show. I think that has all changed this year. 
they've branded themselves very well with these shows now to where they can go to Chicago and get Rich Krejci to buy a ticket to a deathmatch show. And, you, and believe me, you're not the only one. So tremendous job, and I really hope the Bloodsport gets a better spot next year. And I guess we, we kind of no-sold it, but was there ever a more positive Twitter reaction than when Loki pulled out and was replaced by Minoru <laughs> Yeah, there was not a not a single human being in the world that was upset that Loki wasn't there. It's certainly not me as a ticket holder. I no, mean, I was like, holy shit. That's an shit. upgrade. That is quite the upgrade. <laughs> see Minoru Suzuki twice? Are you fucking kidding me? Now, shame on the crowd for not singing along to Kazi Ninare. That yeah. was an awful job by the crowd. To be fair, it was some weird remixed version of the song. I don't know what was going on with that. But the crowd did not respond. So, but I got that at RevPro. At RevPro, I got the full Minoru Suzuki experience. And, and it was one of my favorite moments of the entire weekend. Uh, but I guess we'll get to that in a minute. And look, nothing against Loki. But to replace him with Minoru Suzuki, I mean, I, there's, you know, 100% upgrade. I mean, you know, so that was uh, tremendous there. The other show I went to on Thursday was, uh, I believe, I did not go to Wildcat. Believe it or not, Rich. I did not <laughs> no, you didn't make your way to Wildcat? Oh, no. darn didn't make my way to Wildcat, but I did make my way to Evolve Access. 102. Oh. <laughs> so uh, this was uh, – did I go to Evolve 102? Yeah. That's Matt Riddle, Zach Sabre Jr.? Did you do that? Yeah, I, Matt Riddle. Yes, I did. I didn't go to Evolve 103. I went to Evolve 102 in the, in the WWE and Super Show. Evolve 102. Uh, look, Evolve to me had a very strong weekend. Um, this was the show where Matt Riddle beat Zack Sabre Jr. for the title. Zack Sabre Jr. spent all weekend dropping titles because the news broke while we were in New Orleans that he signed basically a full-time deal with New Japan. So he's going to have a lot less time to uh, you know fuck around with WWN and fuck around with Rev Pro and all these other places. So um, you know it's full steam ahead with Zack in New Japan, which should be a shock to no one. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't remember the last time we did a show if we talked about it. But yeah, we did talk about this on the show. They're going full steam ahead with Zack Sabre Jr. in New Japan. You don't beat the four guys that he beat in New Japan Cup without uh, getting behind this guy and giving him a, a, a hardcore push. So it should be – and New Japan wanted to get him under a proper contract. But uh, the Riddle-Zack Sabre Jr. match, uh, this was a great match. It wasn't as good as the Riddle-Will uh, Ospreay match uh, that that uh, that happened on the Super Show two days later. Uh, but uh, it was it was, a, it was a very good match. I thought the ring comp versus Daisuke Sakamoto and, uh, you know. Now, Munenori Sawa had a great weekend. I mean, this guy, uh, it just he just it's amazing how he never looks rusty for a guy that doesn't wrestle all that yeah, much. Yeah, Russell, when's the last time he actually uh, got in the ring? What, we're talking a couple years, like, right? Like a, a pretty good handful of years, I remember correctly, right? I, I think he wrestles under different aliases, like in places like DDT and things like that. I don't know what his last match was uh, before WrestleMania weekend. You could be right. Let me see. He works a lot of places that I don't follow. So, uh yeah, he wrestled yeah, a bunch of DDT match. He wrestled a DDT match this year, and a few last. Oh, that's year. right. Okay, so yeah, not not I'm, uh, yeah, high profile stuff. He had to heat up a few times. Um, yeah. yeah, there was a long gap between 2011 and 2016, and then yeah, he, but it's only like yeah, even when he comes back, it's like four times a year at most. He wrestles like half a dozen times a year, right? But uh, but yeah, he was very impressive. So I thought it was a good weekend overall for Evolve. I thought um, I didn't see the middle show. But this was a solid show. I mean, with the – did it open with Will Ospreay, AR Fox? Or did it open with um, – I believe that was, was the opener. Or no, or DZHZ and Austin Theory was the opener. Sorry. But the Ospreay, AR Fox match was great. It was the first uh, truly great match of the weekend. 
uh, in my opinion, the you know, and then you have the Keith Lee Darby Allen thing, the ring conf tag against the the Japanese guys, and then Riddle Zack Saber Jr. Rich, that was a really good show. How much did you see any of this or no? I haven't seen any of that one yet. Yeah, it's on my it's on my to do list, and and like, and we'll talk about it here because I mean, I, I kind of caught up with Champion Carnival when I got back, and and started caught up with all that sort of stuff. So this is stuff that like I'm not going to miss evolve, and I'm going to kind of keep it on the back burner. But unfortunately, yeah, as of this week, I, I have not had a chance to see it yet. But uh, planning on seeing it, I don't want to miss this show in particular, Evolve 102 is definitely want to have a star around to, to definitely watch because it looks like an awesome show and everything that I heard uh, from you and other people that were there live that it, that it was spectacular. Okay, so we'll do uh, – let's let's go to not the uh, WWN Super Show. We'll wrap up Evolve's weekend. Uh, the next morning, it was off to the uh, – oh, I'm burying, I'm burying the lead, Rich. You know who I met after that Evolve show. This this was quite possibly the non-wrestling highlight of the weekend. Oh, is this is this the man you met on the streets? The Isle of Man guy. The oh, Isle of Man no, this guy. is not actually the guy that I was thinking of. I thought you were no. talking about Jarek 120. But... Don't worry about Jarek. But you did yeah, meet Jarek 120, right? No, I did not. He did a magic trick with that's, Iron Mike I, Spears. That's not true. I swear to God you were in the video. I am in the video, but right. I did not meet Jarek. Jarek did right a magic trick. Like you don't count that if you meet him, if you're right next I, to him? I didn't meet the man. I didn't talk to him. He, oh, jeez. I'm not – listen, he did a magic trick with Iron Mike Spears. I, I was not involved in the trick. <laughs> I was just – Inches away. You were inches away. Was, I'm counting I was one of the I was one of the bystanders. I was not in the trick. Okay? I was not in the trick, Rich. You didn't give a, you didn't give a worker's the, handshake to Jarek? I didn't. Okay. Never met the man. I was just – I was in the entourage, <laughs> sort of like A.R. Fox's entourage. I was just in the entourage observing the trick Mike Spears, who was very drunk. By the way, yeah, he uh, he did not look like he was all there. He was not all he there. Was, he was drunk he was, at, at many points of the weekend. Um, <laughs> oh, Iron Mike! All right, now listen, if anyone listen, we talked earlier how everybody hates voice wrestling. If you wanted to take us down, all you had to do was drop a bomb on New Orleans because everybody but Rich was there. It's you know, uh, Iron Mike Spears was there. The Communist Aaron's were there. Suit Williams, which did you know? Did you know that that's a gimmick name? Um, actually, you know what? No, I didn't until a few days ago. I found that out. Disappointing, right? Because Suit Williams is a great fucking name. And I, he really should just change his name to Suit Williams. Like his email uh, says something different, but I thought it was something where, you know, that that was his, his real name, but then his middle name was Suits or something like that. And he went by Suit. But uh, yeah, knowing that that's just a, a gimmick name, but he should go with that. He should go with that for a long, long time. That's uh, it's going to get him places that name. Now... Not Many that his real people, name isn't bad. He'll still go play because he's a great man. But Stu Williams is going to get him farther than, you know, is his, his, his shoot name for sure. Now, hanging around with the Communist Aarons and Iron Mike Spears all weekend were two non-voices of wrestling staff members, but two very prominent members of Twitter, Otkin and Epitas, okay, who many people think are the same person. Yeah, that's the same person. No, you're, you're lying. It was the same person. Well, that's my theory because I, I was told that I met both of these men, but I don't rec- – I only recall meeting one man. So, <laughs> listen – I don't know. Like, I met like three bearded, somewhat tall uh, dudes that all look the same, and I'm told that one was the Oatkin man and one was the Epitaz man. I, I listen. I cannot confirm or deny that they're not the same man. I cannot put to rest that theory. I and, and I'm told that I met them both, but I I don't know. So who knows what's going on there? Uh, but yes, I met the Isle of Man guy, which. You know, and it was kind of embarrassing because I, I couldn't understand him because of his accent. And this guy's talking to me, and I'm just being polite and pretending, but I could not understand a fucking word he was saying. And he's telling me, "Hey, this is Scott, whatever, with his fucking Isle of Man accent." 
And then he, you know, and they, it's, someone's like, hey, that's the Isle of Man. And I'm like, the Isle of Man guy, are you kidding me? You get talked about like on every third show. So, yeah, um, you know, the Blue Jays fan, you know what I'm talking about. The, the fucking the famous Isle of Man yeah, guy. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, good, good friend, Isle of Man, uh, through and through. Guys, big uh, big deal on our, our forums as well, voicewrestling.com slash forums. Longtime fan as well. So I'm glad, yeah, you were able to meet him. I, I know he was in the DM saying, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. You know, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to meet you. Yeah, it was great. You, I was I was so glad to see that you, you were able to catch up with him because that man went a long way <laughs> to come there. And he's been a, a loyal fan for many years. And he is uh, the biggest fan in our biggest region. So that's, uh, that's obviously got to, you know. That's right. Um, had, him had him on the lands of lens. I forgot to tell you, at Bloodsport is when I had my drunken conversation with Virgil. And <laughs> Virgil was telling me during Bloodsport, unsolicited, by the way. Okay. Virgil. Yeah, how, how, do you, how do you strike up a conversation with Virgil? How, do, okay, how does that you. begin and end? I want to know the begin and the end of a conversation with Virgil. Virgil had a table at the WWN venue that he did not leave the entire weekend. Okay, he had people bringing him food. I don't know where the fuck he was getting his alcohol. Uh, but during the blood sports show, I'm just my usual wandering around in the back, obviously not sitting in a seat. Virgil wanders up to me. I'm talking to another person. Virgil wanders up to me. I'm actually talking to, uh, you know, who I was talking to. I was talking to Justin Bissonette, Biss from Inspire Pro Wrestling. That's who I was talking to. Virgil comes wandering up to us unsolicited, and he starts telling us how his good friend Anderson Silva would be perfect for this blood sports show. Which obviously we agreed because it's fucking Anderson Silva. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I and, agree, and, Virgil. Anderson Silva would be a good and, uh, good guy in an MMA style uh, wrestling show. You're right. And also, we agreed with everything he said because we wanted him to keep talking to us, okay? Because he was drunk and saying some very outlandish things. So he also mentioned he said if uh, he was going to call his good friend Anderson Silva and try to book him on this show next year, and he said. He can guarantee that there'd be more than 700 asses in the seats if he booked Anderson Silva. So watch out because I think Virgil's coming to maybe promote head to head with Bloodsport next year. Okay, I don't think you want any part of Virgil and his good friend Anderson Silva. He then goes on to say that they tried to book him for Bloodsport, but he doesn't do anything for less than $1,000, and he wasn't going to do that for less than $2,000. Virgil thought this was a shoot. I am thoroughly convinced that Virgil thought Bloodsport was a shoot. Just by the way, he was talking. He's talking about there. He booked Anderson Silva against Dan Severn, by the way. That's his match. He says next year he's doing Anderson Silva versus Dan Severn okay. in Bloodsport. I mean, I'm, I'm watching that for sure if that happens. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this <laughs> produce show for sure. And he'll draw more than 700 fans. Uh, yeah, then he talks some. Then he said some things that I cannot repeat because I'm not getting involved in that. He said some things about the Barbarian that I just cannot repeat. Uh, and no, it wasn't about the barbarian's wife because everyone knows those rumors. But I, I, I listen. He, he just because then he was just running off guys that he was going to book for his blood sports show. He wants to book the barbarian. He wants to book. Uh, we suggested Meng, but he didn't think Haku would be a good fit for blood sport. I don't know. I disagree with Virgil on that one. I think Haku would be a perfect fit. Yeah, it's for like the most sport. the most well known like pro wrestling fighter, like backstage guy that will whoop the fuck out of you is a guy that wouldn't. Okay, okay, whatever. No, he it's said Virgil. Barbarian. It's processing superstar Virgil. He doesn't really know what the fuck he's talking and about. And he was drunk. And, and he said barbarian because he would said it matter? Barbarian. Would it matter if Virgil was drunk or not? I don't know that they're really. He... <laughs> Is there a big difference? I nearly got drunk off his breath. But <laughs> he, he, he said the barbarian. And he specifically said because the barbarian is from Tahiti. And those Tahiti boys can fight. <laughs> I don't even think that's true. <laughs> they're one. not from Tahiti. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's true. Um, 
Yeah, so you know, I, I tried to record the conversation with Virgil. Tahiti, right? Where, where, where are they from? They're not. From I, that's not true. He's not from Tahiti. Uh, I tried to record the conversation with Virgil, but it, it was just too dark in the building and it was too loud because I was definitely going to post that. Um, and, and then he got mad at me because he knew I was recording him and he said he wanted money if I was going to record him. So I had to res- I had to respect his request. I'm not going to record a guy, you know, uh, against his will. So it didn't really work out. I still have the video. I guess I could show you, but. Um, just didn't come out very well of, of Virgil just, uh, you know, booking his own blood sports show. So uh, that was interesting. And then later, uh, during the Janela show, um, Virgil and Alabama doink had about a half hour conversation at the Virgil table, which I am convinced that Virgil thought he was talking to Matt Bourne. <laughs> Is there any doubt in your mind? Yeah. He's probably just like, yeah, dude, I'm on in that raw brother. Remember when we did that? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they were they were like gesturing with like hand motions and like talking. they were old fast friends, like old friends getting together again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and 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 it's just it's it's only at WrestleMania weekend can you find Virgil having an in depth wrestling conversation with Alabama Doink. Where else are you going to get that? At three o'clock in the morning, no less. At the Joey Janela Spring Break, three o'clock in the morning. I'm, I mean, I thought I had fucking accidentally taken some drugs i mean what is that what is a virgil alabama doink conversation um but there's no way he didn't think that that was he either thought that was matt Bourne or steve lombardi at minimum i'm sorry there's no way that he did not he thought that that was like his old pal from the 1993 wwf locker room there's just no question uh what's because what do alabama doink and virgil talk about i mean what pads have they crossed together you know what i mean he was probably talking about the 1993 Survivor Series with the guy, and <laughs> and and the guy was probably his humor him. But uh, but yeah, those are my run-ins with Virgil. Um, so yeah, Friday morning, we're over to the WrestleCon venue. So I wanted to go to the Crash and experience a little bit of lucha, and um, this was a bizarre show because it was it was it was a good show. The problem was every match was like six minutes long, and it was like an hour and fifty minutes. Um, I don't know what their hurry was. I was told afterwards that they had a two hour and 30 minute window and they left 30 minutes on the table. Um, Rich Swan didn't show up, which was good news because Ray Phoenix and Flamita were, were able. Whoa. That was, what was disgusting. That? <laughs> good God. What was that? I don't It was a yawn burp or something. I don't know what the hell that was, but that was. That was that you? Was no, that was you. I didn't do that. I turned on my end. Look I heard it on my end. No, okay. I thought you were dying over there. No. You drinking? No. Okay. I'm well, here. Just the, the weed. Just, just smoking weed like crazy. So. <laughs> yeah, I think just so. high as fuck, Joe. You know? <laughs> so anyway, I was looking forward to this Phoenix Flamita match, and then they, they they're having this awesome fucking match, and then it ends in five. Yeah, five twenty six. Five twenty six. What the fuck? It was well on its way to being incredible. And then um, what I was told was the uh, they were scared to death that L.A. Park was going to go into business for himself and go about 30 minutes. So they had to leave enough time on the table in case – because they were afraid they wouldn't be able to get him out of the ring because who's going to tell L.A. Park what <laughs> Right. So they had to they, – they rushed through the first six or seven matches – because they were afraid that L.A. Park was going to go into business for himself, refuse to leave, and then leave no time for the main event, which was Austin Aries versus uh, Pentagon Jr. 
So they rushed through the first six matches, and then L.A. Park, it was uh, L.A. Park, Damian 666, and Nicho, which, of course, is the original Psychosis, against uh, uh, Bestia 666, Garza Jr., and Mr. 450. This is the big feud in the crash. It's the LWO versus uh, whatever that the, the, the other faction is called. I can't pronounce it. So they end up only going 10 minutes. So it fucked everything up because they left all this spare time for those guys. And then L.A. Park just gets in and out. Now, it was, now, the match exceeded my expectations. It was a great match. It was awesome seeing L.A. Park live. I had never seen him live. Um, oddly enough, I think I, I had seen all of the other people in that match live. Um, Damien666, it was weird. I turned to my friend that I was with, and I was like, you know, the last time we saw him live was over 20 years ago in the ECW arena. It's fucking wild to think about, you know, but uh, but but the old guys held up their end. L.A. Park is 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 great. To see. He just has char- one of those guys where the charisma hits you live. Have you ever seen a guy like that where it's like, you know, where where it's like when once you see them live, you get it. You're like, oh, this is why this guy is a huge star because right, right. It's just he's in there with, and he's just so clearly the biggest star in the ring that's not even close. You know what I mean? It's like so clearly one of the biggest stars all weekend, honestly. Like, he just popped the same way that Minoru Suzuki just popped when he got into the ring. The same way that, I don't know, insert whatever, you know, legend you want to insert here. When they get in the ring, it's just different. They just have an aura. And L.A. Park had that aura. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I chose this show, you know, because I got to see him and I, I had never seen him before. Um, and then, you know, they leave all this time on the table and Austin Aries and Pentagon Jr. get in there and then they only go 10 minutes. So then the show ends at like the 150 mark. So the crash was enjoyable. It was just way too short. A lot of the matches could have been longer, but nothing on it was bad. Everything was fun. Uh, but it's it's not a show that I'm going to say you need to see this show. Um, another fun fact, the uh, the announce team never showed up. So uh, Rob Viper got pressed into uh, oh, announce duties. <laughs> Which is, uh, we've talked about it on the show too, the, the how difficult it is to, to become an announcer and like to do the, like we kind of take for granted how difficult it is. So yeah, I, I, I haven't heard how he did, but yeah, I mean, if anything, it, 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 when, when you're kind of thrust in that position, it's like you got to, I mean, nobody's expecting anything because it's just, it's, it's such a hard job to do. People he was really down on himself. He, he was down on himself because obviously he wasn't prepared. But um, they had him do it because he's the only person in the building who knew who everybody was. Yeah, right. So he's doing the commentary. He had a partner for the first match, but then they had the it was just some other WrestleCon guy, and they had to pull him away to do something. So he had to do the rest of the show by himself. Oh so my not only god! Did he have to do commentary. Oh, Jesus, that's hard enough if you know everything. Like I've had to do a few. I've done like basketball games of you know my college team by myself, and I know all the players, and I've done numerous games, but by yourself, dude. Oh my god, it's the worst. Like doing a podcast by yourself is hard. A play-by-play for a, a sporting event is so difficult by yourself. Yeah. And the reason why three guys in history have done it like ever. Well, and not only that, they changed the whole card. So like even the, like the original lineup changed. So it was just, it had to be extremely difficult. And he was, he, he, I talked to him after the show and he was a little down because he had screwed up a name, the wrestler black boy, which is an unfortunate name to have. um, He thought better of that. And he is now known as black diamond. Uh, but but what happened with Black Boy slash Black Diamond is he also changed his gear and wore new gear for the first time. And you know how hard it is with these Lucha guys with the masks. So he misidentified Black Diamond and was very down on himself. Uh, but uh, I, I forget the guy's name, but there was another WrestleCon guy there who said, no, your commentary was great. You're being too hard on yourself. We're using it. 
So I think if you do order the crash show, you'll hear that, uh, I don't know, that Rob Viper commentary all alone, um, you know, pressed into duty. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, it was fun. No, I met Cubs fan at that show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. I see him all the time. Cubs fan's a good man. Which, I mean, I could have just, I was doing like detective work because he was taking pictures at the show. So I was trying to identify who he was based on the angle of the pictures. If you remember correctly, and, and that's uh, what I said, like, that, that's a good way to identify people. And if you remember, I, every time that I've mentioned that, that when you, when you, when you meet Cubs fan, he is absolutely the worst. Him and Rob Viper, are, you, you, you know them, if you know them from Twitter, if you saw those people in real life, you would not believe that these are like the, the, the fucking, the shit of like American lucha are those two dudes, you know what I mean? Like, those dudes have, you know, gangs of Mexican wrestlers behind them at all times, and it's like, yeah. they are the least, you know, they're not the guys you would ever in a million years think. If you ever had to think of what Cubs fan looked like in real life, you would never guess that he is what he is. Nah, he's a uh, unassuming white fella. Yeah. You know, nice guy. Uh, you know, but I, I identified him by, uh, you know, the angle of the pictures he was taking, and when and then I was like, why don't I just tweet at him? He'll probably answer me if I send him a DM. But no, I did detective work instead and tracked him down. And then uh, so I, I got to meet him finally. Did you actually find out what his real name is? Because I think to this day I've met him like I believe 30 times and I still only know him as Cubs fan. No, I just said, oh, hey, Cubs yeah, fan. Uh, okay. yeah. I'm glad that you still don't know because I've never even asked. I've never even considered asking for whatever reason what his real name was. I just always go, hey, Cubs fan. Or people are like, hey, who's that? I'm like, ah, it's Cubs fan. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, and in Chicago that doesn't really like – you know, I know who that is. Like, you know who that is. Everybody listening knows who the Cubs fan is or whatever. But, like, in Chicago, identifying a person as Cubs fan is, you know, not very specific. So, uh, just kind of funny there. But, yeah, I still – okay, I'm glad you still don't know his name either. And I don't I want – at this point, I don't want to know his name anymore. Like, I don't even want I, – I, I never want to know it. I would feel I weird now knowing it. I don't think he wants you to know it. I think I, good. I don't want to know it. Yeah, that. that's good. So, uh, stuck around the sugar mill for the next show, which was the uh, – the Rev Pro show I actually didn't stick around the sugar mill because there was like a two hour fucking gap because the crash was so fast. So, uh, you know, you go get something to eat. Uh, everywhere you go in town, you're going to run into wrestlers. There were, you know, Sammy Callahan and his whole crew were eating at the same restaurant we were. Came back for the uh, Rev Pro show, which, um, you know, I was excited about as well because when else am I going to get a chance to go to a Rev Pro show? You know, that's why I had to get Crash in the mix. That's why I had to get Rev Pro in the mix. That's why I had to go to at least one progress show. It could be your only shot. So uh, the Rev Pro show had all of the typical atmosphere you could expect at a Rev Pro show with like the one fall chant after the, uh, I don't know the ring announcer's name. Uh, everybody would know him if you saw him. Um, you know, after he says this match is for one fall, everybody says one fall. You got uh, Minoru Suzuki coming out. Everyone's singing along to Kaze Nidinare. You got, uh, this was a uh, very much a canon Rev Pro event, you know, uh, with, and following uh, their storylines and whatnot. And it was a good show top to bottom. But the highlight, without question, was Tomohiro Ishii beating Zack Sabre Jr. for the British heavyweight title. And me just, you know, popping like a maniac because, as you know and the listeners know, Tomohiro Ishii might just be my favorite wrestler uh, these days. Love the guy. Couldn't believe I was seeing him live to begin with. But then to see him win you know, a major uh, title like this and a great match against Zack Sabre. I mean, this was just, this was an incredible match. Um, What was a great moment for me. 
definitely one of the highlights. You know, Minoru Suzuki wrestled on this show too, and it was great seeing Minoru Suzuki live twice, but I didn't think he had great matches. I didn't think this Jeff Cobb match on this show was great. I didn't like the Matt Riddle match as much as other people did, but it was great just seeing Minoru Suzuki, so it didn't fucking matter. You know what yeah, I mean? I think, I think when he comes to America, he kind of realizes that he doesn't need to do that, because I've, I've seen him uh, maybe, well, I've seen him no, just, just once. I saw him at Global Wars last year, and, and it was a tag match, so there wasn't much capacity for him to have a, like, a real great match, but I think he kind of gets the, the game. You know what I mean? Minoru Suzuki's smart enough to know that yeah. he can come out there, people sing a song, he'll make his funny little faces, he'll do a few things here and there, and it doesn't matter. No one really cares. Like, you're not going to come away from that show going, oh, I re- I'm really disappointed in Minoru Suzuki. You're going to say, ah, whatever, I saw his entrance, and that's well worth it. So I think he, he gets it. I, I think he understands for sure. Yeah, but Ishii, on the other hand, I saw him wrestle twice, and he knocked it out of the park both times. And uh, this Sabre match was great, one of the best matches of the weekend. And, man, it's just it's it's surreal. Like, I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm watching Tomohiro Ishii win a title, and the crowd go bonkers, and he's right in front of my eyes, and I love this guy. And Dave Meltzer's five feet away from me, and he's going bonkers. And, and Jeff Hawkins is there, and I can see him going. It's just – this is what WrestleMania weekend's all about. You know, it's just this we it's just such a surreal, weird thing. Like all these Twitter people are real and they're standing next to you and you and you're watching Tomohiro Ishii win a title for a British promotion in in New Orleans, Louisiana against Zack Sabre Jr. And 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 you know, Dave Meltzer's going crazy and Brian Alvarez isn't paying attention and Jeff Hawkins is, is across the way. And, and it just, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's special, you know, and, and you got to get your ass to one of these rich. I'll be there. You know, I'll be I'm, there I'm, I'm tired in New York. I'm going to be there in New York. I've said, I will. I, I'm, I'm, it's already you really, I really, really should have been at this one. You know, I'm, everyone was, uh, we had the whole fucking staff there. It was a great WrestleMania weekend. There was great matches all over the place. It was, you know, it's just, we missed you, Rich. Is what I'm saying. I, I don't know. say many. I know. I felt bad. I felt. Jeez. Yeah. I felt. I felt bad about not getting to this one. This one really kind of hurt me pretty bad. It, it, it was. Would you love to have been there to watch Ishii win this title? And it's just. Oh man. But but uh. But yeah, that's what it's all about. And, you know the the six man with Chucky e. T. Romero and Osprey over Flip Gordon, Kota Ibushi, and Shane Strickland. I didn't even mention Kota Ibushi yet. You're seeing this guy live a couple times over the weekend too, and it's like. Dave, Dave Meltzer walks in during this match and everyone starts chanting Uncle Dave and Dave is just so embarrassed and he's like hand waving. He's pointing to the ring, telling everyone to pay attention to the match. You know how Dave is. And, um, you know, I had a brief conversation with him uh, like I always do when I go to these weekends. And it's, 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 it's the same thing. Everybody walks up to Dave to kiss the ring in between the matches, you know, and take pictures with him. He's gracious to everyone. He must take a million pictures. Alvarez, too. I know I just took a, a you know, a lighthearted shot at him, but he's great to everybody as well. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, when Dave comes to these shows, though, too, they fucking clear a path. These guys give him a prime seat. They, they make sure he's taken care of. Uh, you know, these, these promoters aren't dumb. They want the good press. They take care of Dave, but, uh, but yeah, so the ref pro show was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I enjoyed this and the crash show in different ways. You know, the ref pro show had more stuff to really sink your teeth into in terms of, of great wrestling, because the stuff on the crash, a lot of those matches could have been great. They just didn't get the time. So, um, I assume you saw none of this Rev Pro show, right? I did not see any of the Rev Pro yet. No. I, and is this okay, one I should, one I should put on the list? I should definitely should definitely see Ishii and Saber, right? Is there anything else on the show that I absolutely have to go out of my way and, and, and check out? Or am I okay if I well, just yeah. one? I was – because I told you off the air, if you subscribe to New Japan World, all of the New Japan wrestling – all the New Japan matches that happened over WrestleMania weekend on the Rev Pro show, on the ROH show, and on the WrestleCon Super Show are on New Japan World. 
you can watch them. So on this show, for instance, you can watch Hiroshi Tanahashi and Juice Robinson against Aussie Open. You can watch the Tomohiro Ishii main event and uh, actually four matches, the Suzuki Cobb match and then the six man I just talked about. Those are all on New Japan World right now. So you can essentially see the entire show with the exception of the two prelim matches. You can't watch David Starr, Martin Stone, which was a good match, but nothing you know to go wild about. And you can't see the Adam Brooks, Brian Cage match, which was which was fine. You know what I mean? It's fine. But you can see the top five matches on the show on New Japan World. So um, I do highly recommend the main event and the six-man match. So if you're going to watch those two, you might as well watch the others. They're only about 10 minutes long. And, you know, if you've never seen Aussie Open, I guess I could say this. Aussie Open um, is my first time seeing them. People I trust tell me good things about them. But their look, it was a definite hindrance to a fresh audience. Um, They were getting catcalled. and, you know, I should mention, too, I can't believe I, I, I'm nearly blowing this off. Rich, you've experienced it. I never did. Arrive. Holy fucking shit. I even tweeted this out while I was while I was in New Orleans. The guy just comes off like a god. Oh, yeah. I, he tags I, he tags it and everybody just stands. It, it's nuts. It's and he knows it. He knows it, too. Like he, he comes down to the ring and I'm, I'm like, I'm like. First, I'm like, holy shit, that's he's he's right, he's really here, he's 20 feet from me. And then he just there's I just talked about it with LA Park and talked about it with Minoru Suzuki, and it's like with Tanahashi, it's the same thing, but maybe more so than the other two. There's just something different. The guy comes off like a fucking god, like his charisma is thick, it thickens the room. This man's charisma and. It wasn't just here. It was also in a, in, in a giant arena at the ROH show. Same thing. 6,000 fans, basketball arena, Tanahashi comes out, and you can cut the fucking charisma. It's just thick. The air is thick. I don't know how else to describe it. Maybe other people – maybe you know what I'm talking about or other people who have seen him live or I, – I, I don't know if you necessarily agree, but it's just the air just becomes – you yeah. just feel like you're I, seeing a fucking – God, when this guy is standing on the apron. Yeah, I mentioned before, and it's like it's one of those guys. And I mentioned one time I saw him and Okada both tagged in at the same time at War of the Worlds or Global Wars this is a few years ago. And it was and, and what Tanashi does, and it's a, it's a smart thing that he does every single time. I, I've seen him live in in America. He tags in and he doesn't run in and start doing something. He doesn't. He he tags in. He slowly gets to the ropes and he just kind of stops. And he knows that it, in that one little moment that he's going to stop and sort of look around and and kind of you know you know, adjust his wrists a little bit or whatever in that he just gives the crowd that like five to 10 seconds to realize, Oh my God, Tanahashi just tagged in. And then just, just to start cheering. And that's what happens every single time he tags in, he goes to the ropes. He kind of waits for a second, waits for a second, waits for a second. And then the crowd just fucking comes unglued because they're waiting to do it. And they're hoping they get that moment and he gives them that moment. And then they just take it. It's, it's something to be seen. Yeah. If you've never seen them live, absolutely go see it. It's, 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 it's definitely a special experience. And, and the crowd, like you said, there's, there's something different. There's an aura around it that that's almost undescribable. I don't really know. You just kind of have to be there to, 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 to really witness it. He is absolutely without question aware of how charismatic he is too. It's like you're saying, and it's just a sight to be seen. It, it again, I'll, I'll never, he didn't have great matches. I saw him have two very, two, three star tag matches. He didn't do a ton. The matches were fine, but I'll never forget seeing that guy live. It was just, and I, and I, and I was expecting to be blown away. I chose to go to these shows to see him specifically and it still blew me away how amazing. I mean, it's just it was just incredible. 
and um, yeah, it's 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 something I'm never going to forget about. So uh, we leave the Sugar Mill, uh, the WrestleCon venue, and we head back to the uh, WWN Live venue for the WWN Live Super Show and the Joey Janela Spring Break to wrap up Friday. Now this is where we can sort of wrap up Evolve's weekend. I didn't go to Evolve 103. I did go to the Super Show, which at this point, let's face it, you can throw a shine match on there if you want, but this is basically an Evolve show. Would you agree? I mean, there's no oh, more. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing that screams. I can beat USA. There's yeah, no more. I mean, this, FI- the show has lost its yeah. its real purpose, you know, about five years ago. You know what I mean? At this point, there's, it's nothing. It's, it's, it's Evolve with a shine match. They may as well just make it an Evolve show from now on. I mean, I, it, it's it, it, now this was a great show, and this may have been my favorite show of the weekend. Uh, this had the Riddle Osprey match, which if you haven't seen it, this is the must-see match of the weekend. Um, to me, this was the best match of the weekend, better than the TakeOver matches, uh, better than anything else I saw all weekend. I went five stars on this. Um, Riddle Ospreay was fucking incredible. Will Ospreay working this injured neck gimmick, and they must have worked. I mean, there were so many different storyline aspects and callback spots, and they played off of things – uh, that Osprey did in Japan uh, that led to the injury. Uh, they played off of um, old Evolve storylines. They played off of – it. just – man, this match. This is now the best match that I've ever seen live with my own two eyes. Um, I can safely say that. I've had a couple weeks to reflect on it. Um, and I've seen some things. I went to all those ROH shows. I went to all those ECW arena shows. I've been to WWE pay-per-views. Um, I've been to several WrestleMania weekends now. Um, I've seen a lot of great matches. Um, this, this is the greatest match I've ever seen with my own two eyes. I have no idea how it comes off, um, uh, you know, on tape or, or, or on, on, you know, on, you know on, on TV or on a laptop, but live. Uh, people were going bonkers. I got the full Allen 4L experience with this match. Uh, if you've never been to a show with Allen, uh, that man loves his wrestling. Okay. And it comes through. I would love to love anything as much as Suit Williams loves live wrestling. That's another guy. I mean, he just, Suit Williams, Allen is just running all over the place and starting chants. And then you got Suit Williams, who he kind of like shadow boxes along with the wrestlers. You know what oh, I'm talking about? Like, yeah, no, no, I've never, I've never, I've never seen a show with him. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, so, so to watch shows with Suit Williams and Allen, I mean, of all people, and then the match ends and Allen just comes running over and he's grabbing anybody he could find and shaking them and saying, did you see that lad? Did you see that? Yes, I saw it. It was fucking incredible. You know, so, so Osprey Riddle, um, best match of the weekend for me, a great moment where the whole crowd is just super into the match and then going bonkers for everything that's going on. And, um, yeah, just an incredible match. Also at this show, I met Joey Bay. So uh, I, di- I did meet the dashing Joey Bay. Oh, that's your first, is that your first time meeting the, uh, the Joe Stern? Yes. Yeah, he's, he's a great man Joey as well. Bay. Joey Bay is great. Uh, so good looking, it's disgusting. It is. Um, it is shocking. No, yeah, he's, no he's human being should be as attractive as Joey Bay is. Yeah, he's in great um, shape, too. He's got a, you know, great biceps. Yeah, it's, it's really a, 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 it, it really shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, you should not be able to do that. Tremendous shape, uh, great-looking man, uh, t- t- tremendously friendly, uh, fantastic guy. Yeah, to too talk friendly to. too. I wish he was an uh, asshole, and he's not. It, it's like you can't be all those things. You can't be a good-looking dude and great. Yeah, like, Joey Bay has something in the closet. He's got some skeletons. <laughs> he, right, he's, he's murdered. He has killed before, and he will kill again. But we, uh, one of these. No days. human is that. Just you know what I mean? I mean, it's look. We did bury Sean Sloan together. I mean, that was fun. I oh mean, well, if, no, that, that's customary. I mean, you, you bury Sean Sloan if he's, Sean Sloan's two feet from you. So. 
Yeah, so we, we did get a good uh, Sean Sloan bash session in. Uh, I don't know if Sean, he's going to hear this. I think he listens to like 10 minutes of us now and just turns us off because he can't take us anymore. But uh, he's not going to make it this deep into a show. But, uh, but yeah, we, we buried Sloan, uh, uh, Sean Sloan for sure. I uh, had a nice conversation with Joey Bay. Uh, I'm telling you, Rich, you missed a great WrestleMania weekend. Like, you're like the only person that wasn't there. It's very disappointing. Um, we missed you, buddy. We all missed you. How are you going to rectify this? I t- I'm going next year. I know. I go. Yeah, I, I'm going to New York, which is going to fucking suck. I know. I know it's going to be the worst WrestleMania weekend ever. I know. I know that finally I'm going to go, and shit's going to be like eight hours away. Half the people aren't going to be there. I know. It's a disaster. I, I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. The way to rectify it is everybody come to All In on in, uh, in September. Even the mysterious Rob Stryker was there, who has been feeding us information for years. You know, everyone Get thought Rob that, to come uh, on uh, for All In. Get him. Get him over here. I know you can't yeah. go. He's thinking about it. Thinking about no, it. the wife, the um, old ball and chains already got you, you know, stuck in Texas for that. But, uh, you know, <laughs> this what was her that birthday or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All in falls on TLB's birthday. So, unfortunately, uh, that's uh, that's not going to happen. I'm a married man now, Rich. I have uh, got to pick your fights, got to pick and choose. Yeah, you got to pick the fight. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. You know, that's not one I'm picking. If you want to win the war, um, you got to lose some battles, and that, that's okay. So, I had this mysterious, tall person with me all weekend who um, was no selling anyone who tried to say hello to him and would just stand with his arms crossed. I, you know, the joke is that I brought security with me to New Orleans, you know, cause there's people that want to piss on me and say all these heinous things to me, but that was actually the mysterious Rob Stryker uh, who, who was there. It was not, it was not my security detail. Uh, I'm not that arrogant, but, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, you, you could have literally met, met everyone. But uh, but oh, yeah, I meet, Joey, I meet Joey Bay on a monthly basis. I don't need to meet Joey Bay again. <laughs> that's true. You don't need to see. You don't need to be disgusted by that. Uh, yeah, no, I I, I'm, I bask in his uh, his his beauty on, on a monthly basis. So he's got to have okay. some dark secrets. He has to. <laughs> Did you see the mark pick he took with Daisuke Sakamoto? Yeah, that's a great pick. That's a that great was pick. tremendous. They're both flexing the biceps. That that's it's hard to tell which one is which. Bad. It was hard to see who was who was actually Daisuke and who was Joey Bay. But uh, uh, if you if you you know really squint, you can tell the, the difference between the two. But it's it's tough. Speaking of Dice K, this was the second time I saw Dice K Sekimoto. He wrestled Keith Lee on this show. This man's grunts when he wrestles. He sounds like he's being tortured in a dungeon. I mean, it's 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 it, it bellows in the halls of the building, and he's just his 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 death rattle screams. I mean, it's it just a sight to behold. And he's he's you know, if you think he looks, if you think he's shaped like a fire hydrant on your on your computer screen you should see him in real like the managed human fire hydrant he's got to be no taller than about five foot five but he's probably wider than he is tall and uh again just uh just surreal you know you watch these guys for years and this is why i always say when you have a chance I'm, you know it might be pushing it to call him a legend, but when you have a chance to see legend like like Minoru Suzuki or Hiroshi Tanahashi, and they come around to where you look, you gotta do it because you never know if you're gonna get another chance. When when am I gonna have another chance to see Daisuke Sakamoto wrestle? You know, so that that's where you really got to be smart about your decisions and what shows to watch and things like that. So this was probably my favorite top to bottom show. This this just had great stuff uh, all the way through. I felt bad for Lufisto and Holly dead because a lot of people walked out during that match to either go take a piss or grab some food or it was, you know, and they worked hard and they had a decent little match, but um, no one had any respect for the shine title, uh, you know, live, uh, which, which was, you know, uh, and then, and then uh, Kimberly came out 
challenge Lufisto after the match, and nobody saw it, Rich. I'm telling you, it was like a mass exodus. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was kind of hard to watch. You kind of felt bad for them. But um, top to bottom, though, uh, that was probably the best show. And then, of course, the end of Friday night was uh, Joey Janela's Spring Break, which uh, you have watched. What did you think of Joey Janela's Spring Break? It was, um, I think, a little, little underwhelming. I'll say in some ways. I mean, I think it was. It, the show is meant to be kind of this, this fun. I, I you know what I mean? Like it, it's a show, and I, and I, I think I said this in the, my preview too. It's, it's very much a show of the build and the, and the matches and the people. And in terms of the actual wrestling, a lot of times it's probably not going to live up to like big expectations because again, like these guys are wrestling a ton of times. It's late night. The problem that I had with this show is it seemed like it went maybe a little too long in some cases, and the crowd really didn't seem like they would pop at certain points, but it didn't feel like this raucous crowd. Like when the when that opener, like crowd was nuts for like the Eli Everfly DJZ Teddy Hart thing or whatever the crowd was on. And then as as yeah. things kept going on and kept going on, and even even the PCO Walter, which was a great match, there were points where the crowd you could tell were kind of saving themselves a little bit. Even though that match that match fucking rocked, but it was like there were points where the crowd was just like, no, we're just going to kind of take it easy for this little bit because we got a long show to go, and it, it seemed like some of the matches were just a little too long and it kind of hurt the crowd a little bit and that's my only thing that i i, I kind of say because i enjoyed it i thought it was very fun but i think that the, it, it would have been better with a hotter crowd and that's i'm not blaming the crowd i'm not really necessarily blaming the show itself it's just when you're a late night show like that it might be a good opportunity to just kind of a lot of the matches get done right away people just kind of want to see the entrances and see the guys and then the stuff that you really want to give time you can give time to but I, i'm always weary I, like i would keep it to 20 minutes max for like any of those matches yeah. Maybe, maybe a 15 max, to be honest. People are there to kind of have fun and, and, and see these guys. They're not necessarily here to, to see spectacular five-star matches. Uh, no, it's not about the matches. The, th- the thing about it is um, the, the crowd was uh, it was probably better, probably came off better live than it did for you on tape. Um, they did. Look, I will say this about Joey Janela's spring break. I'll never go to another one. I think it, it's the kind of show where I think everyone should experience it once. But getting back to the hotel at 3.45, I mean, they, they got to be shorter. There's no reason this can't be a two-hour show. This should have been a two-hour show, okay? It starts after midnight. The clusterfuck does not need to be 40 minutes. Yeah, Rich, that, oh, my God. What was going on? I it kept looking, and I'm like, is it still going? I thought I hit back on my, my – I was like, what is going on? <laughs> it just kept going and going. That thing needs to be – I mean, honestly, if you if you make that thing 10 minutes, which is probably all it needs to be, to be honest, like guys can come out every every minute, Wh- whatever. Who cares? It, it doesn't matter. Like, that that it would be so much better 10, 15 minutes. It does no need in the any, any universe for that to be 40 minutes long. No, it was – and here's the thing. I, I, I enjoy – here's the thing. I should preface – see, I think people are going to get the wrong idea when I say I'm never going to another one again. I loved the experience of going to Joey Janela's spring break. It's just not something I need to experience a second time. It's kind of like the WrestleCon Super Show. Very similar in that the WrestleCon Super Show always feels like a party, and it's a lot of fun, and wrestlers are – you know, it's very clear that they're just told to do whatever they want, but they're it's too fucking long. It's exhausting. And it's a show that everyone should go to once, but I'm, I've been to one. And I'm never going back. Same thing with this. I think um, you know next year in this midnight slot, this might be a, a spot where I go out to dinner, meet people, do something else. I'm not going to another spring break. It was it was just it it's it's it was good to experience once. I'm glad I saw PC versus Walter because that was fucking incredible to see live. It was just look, that wasn't any kind of great match, but it was a great spectacle, and there's nothing wrong with that. Watching Walter just decimate this man's chest and watching PCO just be utterly insane. Um, 
there's no way you couldn't enjoy that. You know, they don't have to go out there and be Malenko versus Guerrero. I mean, it was just a, an amazing spectacle, and I'm glad I saw it. Um, you know Nick what I like about that match too. Uh, sorry, sorry not to kind of rub here, but the the PCO thing is like there were times where he was like you could tell he was just shot, like he couldn't he he was just sucking air and just couldn't get any breath and was completely blown up and would maybe botch a little bit. But I, I thought that added so much to the story of this. If you haven't seen this match, you actually go out of your way to check this out because it's it's unlike anything else on this weekend. Walter kind of plays it up as like you're old, just you know, hey, I don't don't make me do what I'm about to do here. Just leave. Let's get out of here. Don't have to do it. And PCO says no, you know, fuck that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. And and like he tries to do stuff and he almost he fails at it but i'm glad he does you know what i mean like i'm glad there are botches i'm glad that he looked like a sloppy wrestler and i'm glad that some of the stuff that he did didn't land right away because it made the story so much better like this dude that you know is just busting his ass and wants to make this he wants to so badly impress people and so badly look great and so badly win this match or whatever that it was awesome that he kind of fucked some stuff up like one of the rare cases where like really bad botches were were, were so perfect for this match because it's like you kind of want to tell him dude it's it's good we get it like this is you've already done enough just lay down or whatever but man then he wins and it's awesome it was like that's a really awesome match i love that match a lot you should definitely check it out even if it's not like technically a great match i don't know what like it, it's a weird one that like i don't know that i could necessarily star rate it but it's one that you absolutely should go out of your way and see yeah, and he's and he was going to get booked like crazy coming off of this. Um, he's going to make oh, he's, a everywhere. Ton of, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. Every day he's getting booked somewhere new. Yeah, I mean he's he's going to make a ton of money and 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 um, and, and good for him. And um, you know this it was a great spectacle. And I think there weren't so much botches as near botches. You know, it had sort of that sloppy, crazy feel that we talk about sometimes with Sasha and and and, uh, and Charlotte sometimes. Uh, Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks, similar to that, where it, it's just you have feared for people during this thing, and it was just and Steel's chest was just a shade of oh, color that I'd never seen yeah. before when it was over. Um, but yeah, Nick Gage, I, I should mention. Look, he's not my cup of tea. I, I'm gonna we've talked about it. Um, you know, even as a garbage wrestler, I don't think he's very good. But the thing about Nick Gage is he is super fucking over. People love this man. Um, I will never take that away from him, and it is a shit ton of fun watching him live and watching crowds respond to him. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's a very good wrestler. I think I don't even think he's a very good brawler, honestly. I mean, he works so light, and for a guy with that gimmick, he really needs to lay it in. I mean, you know, it, it's like that's my biggest critique of him. And, and you know, you could hide a lot in garbage matches, and 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 he does. And I think he sells too much. Again, someone with his gimmick shouldn't sell that much. But you can see why other wrestlers love him. He sells like a motherfucker, and he works light as a feather. I mean, it, 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 why wouldn't people love working with him? But I think it's counter to his gimmick. I think that's the problem with Nick Gage, and that's why it doesn't really connect with me. Plus, I don't really like hardcore wrestling. I'm not really much into death matches, and uh, it's just not my cup of tea. So he's not a guy who connects with me at all, uh, but I totally see the appeal. Uh, his promos are fucking mental and insane. Uh, 2.30 in the morning and he's he's got this entire building fucking challenging fans in the crowd which I yeah. think uh, uh, this J.R. Rose I believe I, I think I have his, his name correct he's one of the guys that he's like challenging to go fight I, let me make sure I have that Twitter account right I know he was there I, I've met him uh, uh, a couple times as well make sure I got the, the name exactly right I know it's J.R. Rose but I forget what the uh, um, I think it's the, let me let me make sure that uh Oh my God! Yeah, it's uh, this. Yeah, this is J J Rose. This is J Rose. Sorry, that that's what it is on, on Twitter. He's he's like screaming at him and his friends or whatever. It was, oh, is that it who was he was yelling at? Yeah, he was one of the guys. I don't know if I, I I don't know if um 
I don't know if this is Jay Rose. This is Jay Rose, one of the guys that was like on Gage's side or whatever. But I know that he was kind of pointing at him. So I don't know if he was pointing at him to say like, "Yeah, you're the man. You're the man," or like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, fuck yourself or whatever." Like, and Jay Rose, he's a guy too. If if you ever want to watch like wrestling with a guy, he jumps up and down and is screaming the entire time and starting chants. Like he's just, he's fucking great to watch wrestling with. Like similarly, I, I, said, like, I, I, I wish I knew he was there. I yeah, said. I didn't know he was there either until I, I saw him in the corner and I was like, hey, "Wait a minute, that's him that Gage is screaming at right now." So. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, I, Gage, I can admit he's not my cup of tea, but I totally get it. I do get it. Um, and, and, and he's another guy who is, is, is far more impressive live than he comes across on tape. Yeah. Just and and how the crowd one benefit it. too is he gets a lot of latitude. Like if, if, you know, if Matt, you know, if anybody else, I mean, Matt Riddle might not be the exact example, but I'm just trying to think if somebody went out and just started screaming obscenities, they wouldn't be called a great promo. But the fact is that, he, you know, Gage could do it because there is some of that background. Oh, absolutely. Is whatnot. So that, and, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm not doing that as a slight to him. I'm just saying that he's able to do things that a lot of guys aren't able to do, both because of real life issues and because he looks like he dude who will will fuck you <laughs> up. So like, but it's it, it's interesting. Like when you really like, you know, you, in a vacuum, a lot of the stuff he does isn't great, but it's because of that aura that he presents, which is what all yeah. wrestling's all about. So that's it. You're he can go out there and say fuck you and go fuck yourself. I'll fucking beat your ass or whatever. And if like Kyle the Beast did that, everybody would laugh at him and go like, "What the hell is this guy doing?" Right. But Gage does it, and he's the best. So it's like, yeah, it's it, it's it. That's that's pro wrestling one one though. I mean, he. Yep has built that persona where he can do that and, and, and spend 10 minutes after a match just threatening fans and people love it and people eat it up and, and, and adore it. So, yeah, his, or you're right. His aura, his aura is just, he has this over the top aura, which, which people, they eat it up and he's able to overcome, you know, his weaknesses. It doesn't really matter that he's a shitty worker because he's so great in other ways. So, um, you know, I totally get it. And, and look, these were great matchups on paper with PCO and Walter, Nick Gage versus, uh, Pentagon Jr. And then David Starr versus Mike Quackenbush. The only problem with that was the slotting. I mean, you just had PCO Walter. Then you had Nick Gage, Pentagon, you know, uh, you know, giving each other Death Valley drivers through fucking doors. And then you have this technical matchup with, you know, this dream matchup for David Starr, which, uh, you know, after the match, he claims he asked for and all those things against Mike Quackenbush. That probably should have opened the show. Or gone on after the six way. Do you know what I mean? Like it was weird slotting for Star and Quackenbush, and at that point, it's not really what anybody wanted to see. People were respectful, but I, I really thought it was a bad slot for that match. Yeah, that that, that, sh- that match might have been better on a- another card too. You know what I mean? Like it, it I understand yeah. why it was on this show, but it felt like it, it just felt like it broke up. Because it seemed like you had your opener, which is like a lot of nuts, you know, crazy stuff or whatever. And then it felt like after that PCO Walter that you were like in Joey Janela's spring break and there was no need to get back to any yeah. universe of regular pro wrestling. And then this was like this weird departure. Like, okay, you've seen these two insane matches. Okay, here's a great wrestling match now. And it's like, okay, no, we're already like in this weird territory. Let's just go with it. You know, you have Ellsworth Riddle. We had PCO Walter. We had Gage. You know, we're ready for what this is going to give us. We're, we're ready, ready for, for the cluster fuck. Yeah, yeah. Cluster give, us, give us the cluster fuck. Give us, you know, Sasuke. We want to, you know, we want to be taken on a ride right now. We don't really want to be, you know, taken back to, to pro wrestling 101, which is what, what you know, uh, Quackenbush and stuff was. Were you able to catch up with your, your good buddy, uh, Mike Quackenbush? <laughs> uh, uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> maybe next maybe next year. Which was also funny because uh, uh, one of the matches at Bloodsport was uh, Eddie Kingston versus Tracy Williams in the two guys who want to kick my ass match. <laughs> uh, so, um, or, or who, well, one of them supposedly the, the beef is squashed. Uh, the other, who knows? Uh, but yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't catch up with 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 Quack either. With, okay. uh, but I feel like that match should have been. Look, the six way was the perfect opener because you want to get the crowd all hot. And, you know, you just wild spot fest and all that. 
maybe that match should have been after the six way, and then you do Riddle and PCO. Right, because then you, now you're on a path of like, all right, that was the wrestling. Now here's Joey Janela spring break. Let's go. Right. And then yeah, then the rest of the show was just you know madness the rest of the time, which is exactly what it probably should have been. So I kind of felt bad for those two. The clusterfuck was way too fucking long. And then by the time you got to Janela Sazake, it's already three o'clock in the morning. Great Sazake, to be polite, was fucking terrible in this match. I mean, all I remember now, my enduring memories from this should be PCO versus Walter and how insane that was. And it should be, um, you know, watching Nick Gage wrestle Pentagon Jr., which was like, you know, a crazy first time dream match. But no. My lasting memory of this show is the clusterfuck that would never fucking end. I don't need Spider Nate Webb marching around the building for 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Wheeler, Utah. I, I, what about Wheeler, Utah? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need it. I mean, that whole Nate Webb thing. And, you know, I, you know, and, I, and what I didn't need was Janela and Sazuke going 25 minutes when Sazuke couldn't get out of his own way. I mean, first of all, the guy almost broke his own neck and died doing a ladder spot. I don't know if you've seen this match yet. Uh, I did, and yeah. then, well, that's kind of what Sasuke does these days, though. But yeah, not at 25 minutes is probably a, a way more than you need of that. Then he was setting up that spot where he was put, trying to put the garbage pail over his head and jump off the top rope. <laughs> I mean, and he kept dropping the garbage pail. Then he just gives up. I mean, this match was uh, yeah. there was the clusterfuck, and then there was like the literal clusterfuck, which was this match. And I feel bad for Janela. He wanted to go out there and have this great match with, with this legend. And it just didn't work. It was too fucking long. Um, they did, you know, people were getting tired at this point. There were vodka giving people shots. I mean, it really is a wild fucking scene. I will say that. And it is something that everyone should experience. Uh, but my God, this show really should be two hours. It should be in and out. You're out of there by 2 a.m. Uh, bunch of wacky shit it didn't need to have this many matches it was it, the, the clusterfuck needs to be cut in half uh could have been 20 minutes long didn't need to be 40 minutes long um and then i don't know i just um i'm glad i experienced it i can't say it was anywhere close to, to my favorite thing of the weekend though i don't I, i'm not trying to you know be a fucking joy kill here yeah, but you're glad you went just, but yeah it's it's not an yeah. endearing memory that you're gonna have forever i mean it's something that you you want to go to when you're there live but you're you're you know yeah, it's not going to be – you're going to remember I, I, from the, when the weekend was all said. It, done, it is so. not. I got to see great Sasuke live even though he was fucking terrible. That's And I got to see PC versus Walter. The rest of it, I mean, what else was there? What else was here for me? Nothing. Um, but I, look, with that said, I'm, I love that this does well. I love that Game Changer does all this outside-the-box thinking. And, um, you know, I look, it drew a shit ton of fans. I mean, you know, somewhere around 1,500 fans. I mean, I always saw estimates as high as 2,000. I don't think there were that many people. Um, but but it still did great. It still drew better than anything aside from ROH. Um, and that's a great thing. Uh, so they need to ride this fucking horse until it dies. I mean, they need to do this every year until people uh, get sick of it. I, I think it's a great thing. So um, that was Friday. Since you saw it, do you have any more thoughts on it? Or you no, that's about it. I mean, it's a show that I'm glad I, I, I checked out again. Like, the same thing. But, like, yeah, my enduring memory of it was, like, that's fine. You know, I wasn't watching it live, so I kind of had the, the benefit of not being, you know, tired at, you know, 3 a.m. watching and, and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those ones, and I, I mentioned in the preview as well, that, that I fully as, assume that this could be a show that, like, it, on paper it looks awesome. The build was incredible. The matches are fun. The, the, the wrestlers are fun. The personality is fun. The atmosphere is fun. The aura is fun. But when it's all said and done, like the, the matches are never ever going to probably deliver to that amazing level. Like you're not going there to see great, great, great matches. But like you got PCO and Walter, and I think that more than makes up for for anything else on that show because that's an incredible match. Once you definitely have to see and and all the matchups are things that you have to see. Like I think it's one of those shows that's fun to kind of check out. 
don't sit down and kind of study it, you know, maybe do, but it, it, it's fun to just kind of see all the background get in there. And it seems like a great atmosphere too. So I'll definitely want to check one out uh, when I go there, but yeah, I fully expect it when it's all said, you, you know, when, when I leave that show that I'm just going to be like, yeah, yeah, that was, that was fine. That, you know, I enjoyed that. You're going to be really so. fucking tired. Number one. Right. I'm going to be like, I'm, I really probably need to go to bed. Really three and a half hours. Yeah, again. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean, just... no, but I recommend you need to go. I mean, everyone right. yeah, should yeah, go yeah. to a Joey Janela spring break. I mean, you have to go. Um, it's, it's, it, you know, you got to experience it. You really do. So next morning, uh, same building, uh, wake up early, get to progress. Rich, nobody was here. It was kind of depressing. Um, I was very happy to be, originally I was probably at the, the, you know, crowd wise, the most dead progress show of all time. I mean, a lot of people were just sleeping in after spring break. Um, you know, that's one theory. Um, I don't know. It was just, there wasn't a big crowd there and the crowd that was there wasn't very, um, wasn't very hot at all. I'm glad I went. Um, I've always wanted to go to a progress show. The in-ring was fine. I had no problem with the in-ring. It wasn't a great show, but it was a really good show. I was just disappointed with the crowd and there was a lot of crowd control at the progress show. Progress was the only show of the weekend where they didn't let anybody stand. They wanted everybody in a seat. So they were corralling everyone and hmm. making sure that they were sitting in a seat. They claimed it was for production reasons. I didn't know what was going on with that. Um, my, I can see that. I don't know. If, have you watched any of them on VOD at all? I haven't. Okay, so the camera's pretty low. So if people stand, it does kind of get in the way. See, but it's weird, I, though. But, like, that, you know, I, I don't... I wouldn't tell people don't stand though. I mean, I would, I, I would maybe adjust the camera a little bit. I would figure out another method not to, but you would see it. And like, the good thing is with like a, a lot of the, the shows, people would stand up for a few minutes and then kind of sit down or whatever. So it was fine. But yeah, I guess from a, a pure production standpoint, especially if you're, if it's going on demand progress and they have a certain amount of standards that you would want that. But I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like at that point, adjust your camera. Cause you can't tell the crowd not to stand. Like that's just a really terrible way to go about it you're gonna suck all the energy out people are gonna feel like they need to be aware of when they're cheering and then you know oh i don't mean oh no no no. i don't mean in that respect i don't mean like if you got excited you could stand in your seat oh i okay 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 they didn't want fans stationary like they like i do they didn't want people oh okay i thought you were saying they didn't want people to like when something was was going on to stand and cheer and i was like what the fuck okay oh okay okay like before the show started you know, some fans just like me choose not to sit in the seat and they either stand like in between the or whatever, you know, like behind the seat. They corralled everyone and would not start the show until everyone was in a seat, which was the only show all weekend where they did that in either venue. Um, you know, um, which which my theory on that was there was nobody fucking there and they wanted everyone in a seat so it looked better on camera. That's my theory. I don't know how true that is. Maybe people who were at Progress Chapter 66 the day before can let us know if they did the same thing for that show. Because there were more people at 66. So I'm curious if they if they only did it at 67, then I'm correct. It's that they just wanted to fill the fucking seats as best they could. Um, the big thing about this is there was a WWE representative who walked in about halfway through the show. Um, I could not identify him. Nobody I knew could identify him. Um, he had a foreign accent because there were people who attempted to talk to him, but he had a, uh, he had a tablet and he was taking lots of notes during the Keith Lee match. Um, and, and, uh, I should also note that I was at a show and, uh, uh, Canyon Seaman was at, was at a show and he, Oh, I, I know what it was. It was Riddle versus Ospreay and man did, did Canyon enjoy that match. I mean, like everybody else, he was going crazy. 
And uh, he gave that, he walked out of there clapping his hands and just shaking his head like he had seen something that he had never seen before. I'm not trying to start rumors. I think he just enjoyed the match. Uh, We all know that, you know, the the, the riddle deal, and I don't think Ospreay is going there anytime soon. I still was interesting that uh, sometimes that guy takes a beating for not necessarily being a wrestling guy. But he loved the fuck out of that match like everybody else did. But anyway, here at this progress show, this WWE guy uh, was there and they gave him a special seat. He was sitting in between two of the sections and he was paying a lot of attention to Keith Lee, which we now know Keith Lee is more than likely on his way over there. But he was taking notes on his little tablet, particularly during that match. And then, um, you know, he put away his tablet for the other matches and just sat there as a fan. Uh, He did stay all the way through, though. So uh, just a little note there. But the progress show... um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad I went. Uh, it was a good show. It wasn't uh, as good as the Rev Pro show, in my opinion, if we're going to compare the two British promotions. The main event was not good. Uh, Travis Banks over Jeff Cobb. Uh, they didn't go very long, and Travis Banks just doesn't do it for me. Um, he's okay, but he's just I, – I don't like his title run. Um, I wasn't a big fan of this match. I think he's a dollar store at Davey Richards. Um, I know I'm very hard on him, but I, I just – I'm not into Travis Banks. I think he's – uh, very lucky that he was in a tag team with TK Cooper and Dahlia Black. I think he was the other guy in that team. I always thought Cooper was was the more charismatic and more interesting half of that team. I thought Travis Banks was the third most interesting person in that act, and I still believe that. Um, you know, and and I I don't like him as Progress Champion. Um, I didn't like this match. Um, I didn't expect a ton out of it, but it was still. Because I, I think Cobb is a little overrated. I, I, I don't want to hate on Cobb, but I do think he's a little overrated. So I wasn't expecting a ton out of this match, and it still disappointed me. To give you an idea of how much I did not like this match. Um, the crowd didn't pop for this match. They didn't pop for the finish. Uh, they weren't really into this match. Um, now, Walter versus Zack Sabre Jr. was fucking incredible. And well worth the price of the ticket alone. I would recommend that match. I would also recommend uh, the Willow Spray Austin Theory match turned into an intergender tag, which kind of had me rolling my eyes, but then it was great. It was Austin Theory and Ginny versus Will Ospreay and Kaylee Ray, and they knocked it out of the fucking park. I was afraid Ospreay was just going to kind of dog it and do a lot of comedy since they, they you know, he, he, he cut a promo and admitted that they were changing the match because he was hurting um, and that he had a million matches that weekend and he wanted to take it easy. Um, but he didn't take it easy. That was the yeah. Thing. He, he's never going to. I mean, when have you ever seen Will Ospreay take it easy? Ever? He doesn't. And and you know, he was taking wild bumps. And I'm sure he told himself he was going to take it easy too. I'm sure, like the, the, until the bell rang, he was like, "I'm going to take it easy, take it easy." Bell ring, and he's like, "Ah, fuck it. I'm Will Ospreay. I'm yeah. just going nuts." Yeah. And Ginny and Kaylee Ray were tremendous. Um, Ginny, I'm a big fan of. I yeah, think she's, she's pretty really great. great. I hadn't seen a lot of Kaylee Ray, but um, you know, she was impressive here. And and they knocked it out of the park. I mean, it's a really great match. Um, Ginny is is tiny and pr- I you know I walked past her in the hotel too. Um, my God, she's tiny. Like I'm not saying she appears large on screen, but uh, she can't be. She's got to weigh 90 pounds. I mean, she's incredibly tiny, and she was doing some uh, wild shit in this match. Um, what else? Chris Brooks, who sometimes I'm also very hard on, had a very good match with Ray Horace to open the show. Um, so you know, it, it's um, I. Not necessarily Brooks that I don't like from that act. It's it's Kid Lycos doesn't do much for me. Um, but Brooks was very good here. Brooks has a certain presence live too. He's about he's gotta be six foot four, six foot five. He's very tall. He could he could stand to put on some weight. He has the frame to put on weight. And I think he should put on some weight. Um it's funny, um 
Alan introduced me to Chris Brooks outside of one of these shows. And uh, you could tell Alan was a little nervous because, uh, you know, I, I always bury CCK. <laughs> right, right, right. So Alan was like, uh, this is uh, my friend Joe. <laughs> not saying, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not going to say anything about him. You know, I, you know, I politely shook his hand. He's a nice guy. I mean, but you know, I got rich. We got a job to do, man. You know, I got to call it like I see it. But, um, but no, he was good here. I, I just, uh, you know, he's okay. Like it's, it's the other guy that I'm not a big fan of in, uh, in that act. But, uh, but yeah, I got to see Tony Storm live for the first time on this show. She wrestled Mercedes Martinez. Tony Storm is another one. Rich, have you seen her live? I have not seen her live, but I've heard uh, nothing but good things about seeing her. She's live. another one that pops. She is a star. Tony Storm is just different. She's just different. You know, she, she does her entrance and um, she just. She's in the ring and she's just not the same as everybody else. It, it and it and it's obvious. Um, I don't know what WWE is waiting for. Maybe for her just to gain a little more experience, or um, it, but I mean, she's a fucking star. Um, there's no doubt in my mind. She's just a she's just different. You know, Mercedes Martinez, great wrestler, doesn't pop off like t- Tony Storm. Is just she has she's got the aura. Um, so yeah. Um, the worst match on this show was uh, James Drake and Zach Gibson against Ethan Page and Ricky Shane Page. I could have done without that. Um, yeah, it sounds uh, sounds terrible. <laughs> funny comedy. The best thing about it, honestly, was the pre-match promo. Yeah, that, I, I imagine that. Um, Ricky uh, Shane Page is also fucking terrible. So, yeah, Ricky Shane Page stinks. He's fucking. Yeah, he's terrible. no. He's have to watch that tub of goo uh, for months and years on end at AEW, and I'm very glad that they don't book him anymore because he's a really terrible wrestler so and and ethan page is good at a lot of things wrestling is not one of them no he's a great character great promo great charisma great at interacting with fans but yeah once the bell rings you know yeah. but yeah. that's fine he and, and, and that's that's okay that wrestling is yes. many things and if you're great at something you can be great at a lot of things and that that is perfectly fine mm-hmm. uh so yeah so i got to experience a progress show with the uh jim smallman pre-match pre-show banter and and uh you know, a, a title match that didn't quite deliver, but you know, it's it's. I was again, I, I'm I was very happy with all the choices I made all the way through, and I guess we'll blow through this last one as we got some other topics to get to, and we I guess we got about an hour left or something like that. Yeah, um, this might. You know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we're, we're we're a little pressed for time here, but we'll see. What probably going to get up against it. Well, that was the ROH show. So, um, how much of this did you see? Uh, I have not seen any of the ROH show yet, so I'm I'm interested in your your thoughts. This is one that oh. I'm definitely. I have this. I have Progress 102. Uh, put on kind of the watch, you know, maybe I'll watch a little bit late, you know, a few weeks after people, but the ones I definitely should watch before. Uh... Speaking of shows that were too long, uh, but um, WrestleMania and the Janela show, this show went too fucking long. Um, but here's the thing. I'll say this first. As someone like me, you went to all those old school Ring of Honor shows in your neck of the woods around Chicago uh, during the glory days. I went to all the shows, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia. Um Rich, I was just sitting in this arena with 6,000 people, this lakefront arena, um, you know, basketball-sized venue, and I'm sitting in this place, and I'm just looking around and thinking how amazing and it was and how surreal it was to be sitting at an ROH show in a building of that size with 6,000 fans, you know? After going to all those shows with 400 fans, 300 fans, 500 fans, 700 fans, even Hammerstein with like 1,500 fans or whatnot – and I'm looking and I'm like this is, I, and I know it's not your, your your brother's Ring of Honor, so to speak, but there was still something cool about it, you know. Being someone who had gone to all those shows a decade ago, 
and here I am, and they're having their biggest show of all time, 6,000 fans. And there was just something special about it, you know? Um, so I think when you watch it, you won't have the same experience I had because you're not sitting in the building, but it, it's, <laughs> I think it might still hit you that it's, it's real fucking weird. Watch yeah, it in no, a I, good I think way. That, you know what, what? One thing that's interesting is, is is sometimes when they run in Chicago, they'll run the same venue that they ran back in the day, and like we would go and there'd be you know five rows of seats around the ring or whatever. I knew everybody, like everybody knew each other on a first name basis or whatever. And then the last time I went, they had put you know ten rows of seats. The bleachers were full. They rolled in a new thing of bleachers, and it was just like holy shit! Like this is you, know, you got a video board, you got all this stuff, and you're like, oh my god, this is not at all what you know it, it used to be. And then they uh, the last time they were in Chicago, they 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 had upgraded their venue to the the Odium in Villa Park. That was for the Global War and that was just like oh my god like you know i i it was me and like 200 people slapping barricades you know not what what feels like you know just a few years ago was obviously 10 years ago and it's like one of those things that you sort of you chart back your wrestling life because you know i've been to wb shows and i've gone to wb shows for you know 20 years nothing's really that much different it's the same venue same crowds for the most part it's this big giant crowd the same old venue or whatever but for ring of honor to know that like when you were going, it was 200, 300 people, you know, at this one dinky venue with the lights on the entire time or whatever, you know, slapping barricade. And then like to see it just grow to that level, it's just like, holy shit. Like you kind of, you kind of chart your, your life through that. And you're like, oh my God, I've been watching this for so long that this, yeah. this is how it's evolved or whatnot. It's just, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, an interesting feeling, but I, I know exactly how you feel. Cause I, I felt that a few times not ring of honor. Uh, the best matches here, Kota Ibushi and Hangman Page knocked that out of the park. This match was so good that this combined with Hangman's other recent performances, I have turned the corner on Hangman Page. Um, I think it's important, especially if you do what, what we do on this show, uh, you can't dig your heels in. Sometimes you have to change your opinion on things. And Hangman Page, uh, you know, it took me a while, but I get it now. Uh, this was a great match with Kota Ibushi, and Hangman Page had just as much to do with it as Kota Ibushi did. Um, and, and Hangman Page, his, his, his string of recent performances, I'm on board now. I get it. So uh, that's one thing I want to talk about. Also, Punishment Martinez versus Tomohiro Ishii. What a great eight-minute match this was. I mean, Punishment Martinez, this was a guy who knew this was the biggest match of his life in front of the biggest crowd he's ever worked in front of. And boy, did he go out there to fucking kill himself. I mean, he's doing these wild dives and topes and landing on his head. He's got a great opponent to work with because you know Ishii's going to go all out. And I love the fact that Martinez won the match. That is the right call. Ring of Honor has got to start pushing their own people. Look, the Bullet Club stuff and the New Japan stuff is great for now. It just helped them draw 6,000 fans. But what happens when that's gone? What happens when the Bullet Club, uh, you know, wears out, you know, starts to slow down? What happens if their New Japan thing, deal with New Japan, falls apart? What happens if Bullet Club just splinters off and does their own thing? Yeah, uh, I, it, I've, I've, and we've been talking about that for years. I, I've always yes. said, what if, what if one day the Bucks get a bug up their ass and like, yeah, you know what, fuck, we don't need Ring of Honor anymore. Hey, their and contracts are coming not, up. They're done. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and they, if they just say, yeah, no, we don't need you yeah. guys anymore. We're good. They're 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 done. Because <laughs> like, you lose Cody. That I mean, that that the trickle down of that is is, is immense. But yeah, it's it just takes that. It just takes fuck it, it, one argument backstage between those guys and it's it's you know that's it's kind of their cash cow right now so yeah we we've said that for for time and time again and we're, we're gonna get to it here in a little bit because there was some data uh, debate about the attendance and oh you know should we give ring of honor credit it because the bullet club were on top and that, well of course you should because ring of honor ran the show and and they promoted people that you know wanted to see and, and they promoted matches that people wanted to see and and rushes that people wanted to see but we can agree that it's still a house of cards that if 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 
one day New Japan just says, ah, we don't need you guys anymore, and you don't get Kenny anymore, and 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 maybe slowly but surely you don't get Cody that much anymore, or, or you know the Bucks decide they're going to go away or whatever. Yeah, that's a huge deal, and that is going to hurt. So they do need to start a build from the back because they're they're relying on, on on something right now, which is not a problem. You should rely on your top stars. Your top stars should be your top stars for a reason, but you always got to keep in mind what happens when those guys go away. We talked about with New Japan many years ago. When, when, when AJ and Nakamura and, and you know, Gallows and Anderson walked out, they had everybody ready to go and fill those spots right away. And that's not easy to do, but you need to be in a position to do that at all times because that's yeah. pro wrestling. It's like I think the whole attendance thing, it's so silly to say, oh, well, they only drew this because of the Bullet Club. <laughs> well, why, yeah. are you, why is it a bad thing that they booked a show that people wanted to see? Yeah. That's the point. Okay? But you can cons- – you listen – you can also concede that it's a house. It's a potential house of cards. It can be both. Right. They, they can be doing a great job now drawing fans, and also there could be warning signs that it could all come crashing down in one fell swoop if any of those things that Rich just described happened. Okay? It's not, uh, it's not a bad thing that they drew their largest crowd ever because the Bullet Club but, – but look, the Bullet Club's part of their company right now. <laughs> I just – I was what perplexed the- by the arguments of like, well, I mean, without the Bullet Club, they're not going to draw a lot. Well, yeah, without Hogan and Andre, WrestleMania three is probably not that big of a deal. What the fuck are we doing? Like, It's, it's just a brain-dead argument. Right. Yeah, but you can also concede – Adrian Adonis and Roddy Piper was the main event of WrestleMania three. No, it probably would have not done, you know, 73,000 people. But you know what they did? They promoted Hogan and Andre, and that was a big deal. That's what they – like, what are you doing? Like, a- what, in, in pro wrestling, you're not allowed to push your top stars because then if you push your top stars, you know, what, what would happen if you didn't push your top stars? Yeah, okay. Like, you know, <laughs> WWF yeah, probably it- didn't sell a lot of MSG shows without Bruno in the 60s and the 70s. Hot take right there. I mean, I know. Utterly but, ridiculous. I've never and, heard and anything listen- like this. I was like, what are we talking about? Such a dumb argument. They, they, these are their these are their current their current assets right now. Are the Bullet Club in New Japan? Why would they not exemplify that? That's I mean, come on, you got to do what you got to do to put your best foot forward and draw fans, and that's what they did. There's no way you can chalk up this six drawing six thousand fans for ROH as not a massive, huge, incredible success. There's no way you can, while also conceding that there are potential pitfalls. And we were the fr- let me tell you something. We did a show probably a year or two ago. Maybe maybe longer than it. Maybe might have been two years ago now. And there's clips of it on YouTube because people clipped up that show and put it on YouTube. We didn't do it. Talking about this House of Cards thing long before anyone else was talking about it and the potential. So do, we were well aware that they're on a slippery slope here if they don't start building stars. But that doesn't mean you can't credit them for the success that they are currently having. You can do both. You could recognize the success that they're having in the Bullet Club slash New Japan era, while also being well aware of the cautionary tale that they're laying out for everybody as well. It can be both. It doesn't have to be hard line one or the other. Give them credit or don't give them any credit. Of course you got to give them credit. This was a tremendous success drawn 6,000 fans. So I think we're on the same page with that. But the show was way too fucking long. I mean, because this was another show that started off great. Chucky T and Gresham had a hot little opener. Martinez and Ishii was great. Abushi and Hangman Page was great. This, the ladder match for the six-man titles, I thought this was better than the NXT ladder match because this one told a story. The NXT ladder match was just a collection of spots. And while it didn't have as many death-defying spots as the NXT match, the death-defying spots in this ladder match were more impressive and more dangerous-looking and had me in my seat hoping someone didn't die. I never had that feeling during the NXT match. 
Um, so I, I like this ladder match better. Uh, where where uh, SoCal Uncensored successfully defended the title. I didn't like the run in with with uh, with Kingdom. Um, I could have done without that. Uh, so you mark it off a little for that. Uh, but otherwise, I thought it was a tremendous ladder match. And then the show just got too long. I mean, post intermission, you had the Tanahashi match with Lethal against the Briscoes. It was just a match. Uh, Silas Young, Kenny King felt like it went on forever. The bully Ray thing just never fucking ended. Oh my god, he's back! <laughs> the show, the retirements are not a real thing. I cannot just, believe this. Pro wrestling retirement, not real. Bully Ray is back. I'm uh, just talking and talking and talking. I did enough yeah. with the bully Ray. bully Ray. Fuck bully Ray. Go away. Then Cody and Kenny Omega go forty minutes, and what they had was not necessarily a great wrestling match, but they told this forty-minute live action opera. With all of this, and you knew they were going to do this with this great storytelling and all that. You know, I did, I did watch this attention. match. I forget that I did watch this one. I watched that. Uh, How did it the, come the, off on tape? The morning after. Um, same deal. It was like good, but you kind of just, I just really wanted it to end when it was all said and done. It was like a very good story match. It had a lot of good points and whatnot, but not a match that I would ever, like, it's one of those ones I don't know that if I would ever go back and watch it again. Does that make sense? Like, I enjoyed Absolutely. watching it and I had fun, but I'm like, I'm good. I don't really ever need to see that ever again. Right. But people will look at this and see 37 minute Kenny Omega match and think they're getting an Okada match. It's no, like <laughs> you are not getting that. Yeah, right. But I like I enjoyed it. The problem is it killed the main event because then Dalton Castle and Marty Skrull go out there. First of all, people are filing out of the building. There was probably now not as many people left as some will lead you to believe, but there was no more than 37 or 3,800 people in the building by the end. A lot of people were leaving. It was late. Uh, the, the show was pushing five hours. Dalton Castle and Marty Skrull, in a vacuum, had a perfectly fine match aside from the spot where Skrull could not find the powder, which was a fucking shit show. Aside from that, the match was, like we talked about earlier with Twitter, context matters. And at the end of a five-hour fucking show, when we just saw a 40-minute match, a 30-minute main event with two participants that don't have nearly the same heat or interest from the crowd as Cody and Kenny Omega do, it just didn't fucking work. And I felt bad for them because they should have worked a different match. There's no question. But they went out there and and stuck to their guns, and they they just it was the wrong match for the wrong time. If it would have went on before Cody and Kenny Omega, no one would be shitting on this match. I think it's unfair how much people are shitting on this because they really were in an impossible position. Called an audible and said, "You know what? We need to go. We need to go out there and go a a a a very efficient eleven minutes here, because people are leaving and and we need something that's going to hold the attention of the people that. And a thirty minute match was not that. They went out there and tried to do an epic world title match and all. That. And look, I don't blame them. You feel bad for Dalton Castle. He's the world champ here. Now we know he wasn't the draw, but he is the company champion and he's in the main event." And you know, you know he's he has a right to go out there and want to you know have his fucking WrestleMania weekend time in the sun, but it just didn't work. It was all wrong for the spot they were in, and by that time we all just wanted to go the fuck home. So um, I don't know. Watching it back on tape with the benefit of not being you know in the arena for five hours, and look, I wasn't even there for the pre-show. Some of those people were there even longer because there were three dark matches. I wasn't even there for those. And, you know, it's just 
every near fall in that match, everyone was groaning like, "Oh, come on, just <laughs> right." Just and I, I have not seen it yet, but yeah, I've, I've heard that it was just like everybody, nobody wanted that match to go on longer than it did. Like, every, if that match was over in ten minutes, people would have been fine with it. I was watching it with two. We were watching it with two security guards, and they were getting frustrated because they wanted to go home. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, come on, pin him already!" He's like, "I'll go down there and knock him out." Like these guys <laughs> were upset. You know, it's a, you know, in a vacuum, the match though was fine. You watch the match with no sound and just, you know what I mean? It's like the match itself was fine. So I kind of feel bad, but, um, you know, the the show was way too fucking long. The second half, aside from Cody, Kenny, uh, was not good. Um, but the first half of the show was excellent. Aside from the Sumi Sakai, Kelly Klein mess, which I'm still, I still don't know what happened there. I'm not sure if I mean, people are telling me that they changed the finish earlier in the week and Sumi was supposed to win. Even if that's the case, and I have no reason to believe it isn't because of the, 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 you know, the, the quality of the source, it, something still went wrong at the finish of this match. And it was really fucking ugly. And everyone involved looked surprised. I don't know if Kelly Klein got knocked out on the DDT. Uh, the, the moonsault spot was ugly. And then it looked like Sumi was expecting a kick out when the referee counted to three. It was a fucking mess. An absolute dud. The worst match I saw all weekend. So, um, and it's a shame. You know, they <laughs> the finals of this tournament and, you know, it's like, uh, and they finally get on the pay-per-view with it, with the Women of Honor stuff. And it's a fucking shit show with a fucked up finish. And I'm upset I didn't get there to see uh, Iwatani. I was looking forward to that, but I, I just I, we didn't. Well, get to no, the no problem, Joe. She was going to be in this next round of the uh, Women of Honor tournament because they wouldn't fly her over there. I feel like such an idiot on her entire preview. We're like, well, there's no way they fly away with Tommy over here and have her lose in the first round. And then I see that she lost in the first round. Like, well, se- well, it was semifinals, but yeah, the, that time, yeah, the semifinal, the first, you know, of this. But yeah, like dark match, dark yeah, match. Yeah, right, right. So you were like, no, she's got to be. I mean, come on, it's one of the best, you know, <laughs> Joshi wrestlers in the world. Of course, they are not going to have her come here and lose. You know, but they did. Then we're like, oh, there's no way Emma Tennille Dashwood's gonna lose, and she did. So, yeah, well, I mean, that one may have been surprising. Everyone should have known Klein was going to the final. I mean, she was the favorite to win the whole thing. No, I, I know, but it's, it felt like a kind of weird thing. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, I think Klein, everybody sort of thought was gonna win, but yeah, the, the Sumi Sakai was definitely an interesting one there. But uh, still, it felt weird that there was nothing else to do. Like you would have a, it would kind of come all the way over here just to lose to Kelly Klein. I was kind of odd, but you know, she wouldn't I find something like else for her. Everyone would have wanted to see Iwatani Dashwood, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> best potential matchup and I'll give it to you but uh, yeah the show was just too long and then we couldn't find our car after we got out and it was raining it was like raining it wasn't just raining it was like frozen rain it was just uh, it was uh, you know, I'm, I'm shocked I didn't get sick again um, but yeah so that was the Ring of Honor show and that was uh, my Wrestlemania weekend travels so all right, yeah, we did a, a lot of stuff there. Uh, real quickly, we wanted to kind of wrap this up with, uh, not wrap this up, wrap, wrap this kind of segment-ish up with uh, some uh, current stuff going on. We mentioned the uh, uh, Game Changer Wrestling that I'm going to that show here in a little bit. Uh, Evolve, we mentioned they actually have a pretty fun a few shows in Chicago and Detroit coming up uh, in, the, in a few weeks as well. And these are, are kind of noteworthy shows and kind of run down the cards here a little bit. But I think the one thing that, that or, or we'll run them down as we get closer. I don't think we have to do it today because we're kind of pressed for time. But I think some interesting things that you can come from, from those weekend shows, you know, Evolve's return, uh, Austin Theory, definitely being you know portrayed as, as as now one of the top guys and obviously he won the WWE championship uh, over the week uh, over wrestlemania weekend so now he's sort of being positioned as one of the guys uh keith lee definitely going down the card and, and what we all expected he drops the titles and now he's sort of on the, the the final stretch of his indie run and and you know he's having a matches with uh on one night james drake and evolve 104 and he'll absolutely lose that and that's that's how gabe does those things like he's gonna now kind of lose on his way out which is exactly what it should be but uh yeah it'll be good stuff there um 
a few new t- uh, guys coming to kind of in. Uh, you know, I got Trey Miguel, uh, Myron Reed, guys that are kind of local uh, guys to the Midwest will be doing those shows. Anthony Henry showing up um, as well. He's been doing some stuff uh, here and there with them as well. But, uh, yeah, just kind of interesting to see kind of the evolution of Evolve, uh, for lack of a better term. And uh, on Evolve 105, you have Riddle versus Keith Lee in the Evolve Championship match. But that's, you know, the final war. I mean, I think with we all know that Matt Riddle's winning that one uh, and going to retain. And then, yeah, it's just kind of interesting again. Uh, Austin Theory versus Trey Miguel. So, you know, I got Trey Miguel as, as the future because uh, it's the present versus the future. They have three of those present versus the future. In a perfect game, you have the present versus the future match one, the present versus the future match two, and the present versus the future match three or whatever. I just I enjoy that Austin Theory, all of like what twenty fucking years old, is the present, and the future is Trey Miguel, who I think might be older than him. But you know, it, yeah. it's it's true in what it is because they're going to be a champion Austin Theory. So you're clearly seeing him as a guy that they're sort of you know gearing a lot towards, and and I like that idea. I think Austin Theory is a guy who's improved a lot, and no, he he maybe isn't up to the standards that a lot of people think of for you know Evolve or for the American Indies or whatever. But I think Gabe is really good at, at, at booking those sort of champions. And people that follow Ring of Honor for years know that he does a great job with those sort of guys. And and, and it's going to play into his character as well, that Austin Theory is this guy that, you know, is is he has all the tools, he has all the intangibles, but people, you know, even the wrestlers don't know that he's quite ready, don't think that he quite belongs there, but he just finds a way to win. And that's that's a great way to book it. And that's how Gabe has done, even, with, even when he's had top guys, even when he's had a guy like a Brian Danielson, go on a big long run uh, as as champion he would at at some point of that run turn him into a guy that you know knew that he needed to get every little edge to keep the title and that's that's it you know brian danielson could beat anybody when he wanted but knew that like hey if i want to you know i I so badly want this title so i'm gonna take some edges here and there i'm gonna you know you know cheat a few times here and there to try to keep those titles so i think i think gabe's gonna do a good job with austin theory and i think it it shows especially with austin theory that the, the wwe our relationship with Evolve is definitely strong, and we know that it is. We know that Gabe is obviously working for them and doing stuff with them because Austin Theory is a guy that, of course, they have their eye on. WWE, of course, is going to have their eye on Austin Theory and think that this guy, uh, you know, is made for that company. He just needs a little bit of refinement, and, and there's probably nobody, no better person to do that than Gabe Sapolsky. So uh, I'm all in on that, and I think it's a, it's pretty cool to watch. You know, that sort of evolution of, of Austin Theory as as the WWN champion. So so I'm I'm cool, and I'm going to enjoy it. These are transition shows. Keith Lee and Zack Sabre Jr. are out, and they're obviously going to build now around Matt Riddle, Austin Theory, and it looks like DJZ has been elevated, and it looks like AR Fox is another guy. And 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 Shane Strickland came in, too. I don't know if he's there for just a few shows, but he has definitely come to be uh, at at the Chicago show, Um, and and he'll be at the the 105, too, so he might be coming in a little bit more as well. The Tracy Williams turn. So, um, you know, he'll maybe they'll do a little something with him. And then, like you said, the new names coming in, the Zach Wentz's, Myron Reeds, Trey McGill's. We'll see who steps up. So other guys like Snoop Strikes, they're giving him a shot, too. So uh, we'll see. James Drake, uh, along with Anthony Henry, is a guy who got pushed real big in New Orleans. So and he's got the big match against Keith Lee. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. I think Drake's look is a hindrance. Um, He could certainly go in the ring, but this is an aesthetic business. So we'll see what happens with James Drake. you know, Anthony Henry, uh, obviously a good worker, but someone that no one has really gotten behind at this sort of level yet. So these are two, these are transition shows for Evolve, and they'll be interesting. They'll be shows I'll have an eye on because I want to see, um, you know, what direction they go and, 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 and who's getting elevated and who isn't and who steps up and who doesn't. So, um, yeah, definitely some interesting shows coming up May 19th, May 20th for Evolve. And then um, as far as uh, Ring of Honor, we mentioned uh, them a little bit. They have the World of the Worlds uh, tour starting up on uh, May 9th. We'll talk about those as we get a little bit closer. Uh, But I think the big thing is they announced the main event for the uh, Chicago show, which is going to be LIJ. So you got Sonata, Bushi, Evil, Naito, 
and Hiromu, so all those guys in there, versus uh, the Bullet Club team, Marty Scroll, the Bucks, Cody, and uh, Hangman Page. So that'll be pretty cool to see that as the, uh, the main event. And then kind of the same names that you would kind of assume would be on a War of the Worlds show these days. You got your Dalton Castle, your Cody's, of course, the Young Bucks, Marty Scroll, Adam Page, the Briscoes, the Kingdom, Flip Gordon, Jay Lethal, SoCal Uncensored, Chucky e. T, Bully Ray, Cheeseburger, uh, Coast to Coast, Silas Young, Beer City Bruiser. Uh, and then as far as your, uh, your, your New Japan guys, uh, Naito, Evil, Sonata, Hiromu, Bushi, as we mentioned, Rocky Romero, Jay White and Rapungi 3K. So it looks like yeah. it's going to be very heavy on LIJ and Bullet Club and not so heavy on your Tanahashis and, and, and Okadas and those sort of guys will, will probably be uh, sitting this one out. Yeah, not the most impressive list of New Japan talent uh, aside from Naito and his boys. Um, that 10 man main event in Chicago, I mean, if that were on a court, if that were like on a wrestling Dantaku or New Beginning or something, it'd be like fourth from the top and no one would care about it. Don't sleep on that though on this show. In a main event slot, when you have guys like that and the Bucks, they're always going to work their ass off. You've got uh, Bullet Club going to be working in front of a hot Bullet Club crowd, LIJ. That match is going to be awesome. I guarantee you that match t- tears the house down, okay, because it's in a main event slot, um, and you got a bunch of people who are going to work hard, and the building's going to be hot. So um, it- it's just funny how the, the very same match, you can put it on in Japan on a show, and it's not even sniffing a main event, and a lot of the guys take the night off. But the very same match, slotting is so important, you know. And it's, you put it in there as a main event. I, you know, I have no doubt they're going to kill it. You plan on going to that or no? I am. Yeah, I'm going to be there uh, for sure. I think one thing that's pretty interesting about this though is, and last year when they they came for uh, uh, Global Wars uh, was their tour last year. That was the one where they they announced Kenny Omega and they sold out. Uh, you know, their new venue in Chicago in like minutes. Like it was gone. Tickets were just gone. Uh, right now, tickets still available, and a lot of tickets still available. So it's pretty interesting to see that the power that a Kenny Omega has, and it could be in the, in that venue, and it was kind of this new special fun thing or whatever. But uh, Kenny's a draw because when Kenny was announced, those things sold out immediately. They've announced this, they've announced this lineup, they've announced Bullet Club, they've done all this sort of stuff. They're, they're sort of aligning it with All In 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 a lot of ways. They're doing the All In press conference earlier in that day or whatnot. So they're they're doing a lot of stuff, and and it's you know tickets are still available. And I have no doubt that they're going to have a good crowd when it's all said and done. But the idea that Kenny Omega was announced and that like a snap of fingers, those tickets sold like crazy. And now all these same guys have been announced and and, and most of these same guys were on that other show you know, without Kenny Omega and, and, and tickets are still kind of hanging on there. But there was also Ishii was on that show and, 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 and Minoru Suzuki and it felt more like an actual true New Japan show where this feels a little bit more Ring of Honor like. But yeah, the, the, the impact of Kenny Omega uh, should not be understated. I mean, he, he was announced and, and right away those tickets sold. So Well, Kenny and Cody just sold 6,000 tickets in New Orleans. Yeah. Right. And, and, and another dumb argument people made about that was, well, they piggybacked WrestleMania. Okay. <laughs> I think, Rich, I think something like 14 different promotions ran on WrestleMania weekend. How many of them drew 6,000 fans? Right. How dumb, you know, how dense can you be to make an argument like that? I mean, 14, at least a dozen other promotions ran WrestleMania weekend and none of them sniffed 6,000. But we're going to, you know, uh, you know, knock our way. You know, knock them down a peg because they piggybacked. Right? Did that help? Absolutely. Of course. Why, didn't, why wouldn't why didn't, you? Of course, it's going to help. Yes. Why didn't, like, why, didn't the, why didn't Evolve draw six thousand fans? Right. Why didn't Game Changer draw six thousand fans? Why didn't Progress why draw six thousand? Progress yeah. or Rev Pro or Crash or Beyond or or uh, or Wildcat or House of Hardcore or uh, Main Event Wrestling, which ran uh, right outside the city on on fr- on uh, Saturday night. Or you know, uh, Shimmer, or uh, CCW, or I, I can go on and on. A million different promotions ran. How many did they did they draw six thousand combined? 
I bet it'd be close. I mean, so come on, get get out of here with that. Such a brain dead, mindless thing. Like anything to just not give Ring of Honor credit for this. It's crazy. All right, Joe, we are right up against it here. So let's I'll try to get through these things here a little bit. How much time uh, we got? Uh, we got about. Uh, would you be mad if I told you we have 15 minutes left? No, I want you to tell me exactly. We have exactly time. 15 minutes left. So, yeah, let's... so okay, we're not going to get to the New Japan stuff. That's obvious. Yeah. No, uh, you want to do Champion Carnival? We should yeah, let's do Champion Carnival. Yeah, let's end with Champion Carnival. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get that in 15 minutes. But okay, we can go a little overrun. Do you want to go a little overrun here? Maybe a little bit. I think we can get the Champion Carnival in, and I think that. Uh, maybe we can get something cooking for the rest of the stuff we didn't get to uh, in terms of an overrun. Okay, let's we'll do that then. So can't promise anything right let's now. Let's we'll see, how, see how scheduling goes. But uh, yeah, we'll try. We'll, we'll do yeah. Champion Carnival now and we'll, we'll see what we can do about the New Japan. So just to kind of give you an idea that Hinokini show is coming up on the 29th. Uh, so that one, we'll, we obviously should have preview. Or, you know, we, uh, Suzuki and Naito is a big main event there on that one. Uh, the Dontaku stuff is going to be weird. I don't know when we're doing a show next week. We could realistically preview both of those. Uh, next week, but yeah, it's going to be a weird kind of scheduling because it's on, I believe, Wednesday and Thursday of next week. Or no, it's, it's Friday and Saturday. It's Friday and Saturday. So, you know, we'll at least be able to get the, the fifth. We'll be able to preview pretty extensively. So, and, and maybe even the uh, the other one too, if we record on Wednesday again. So we'll, we'll try to do those next week for sure. If we're not, but we might do a overrun too. Just no guarantee. Okay. Jamie Carnival. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So uh, I have watched all of it and the B block we're is complete the a block is finishing up on the 29th what day is that uh 29th is i believe that would be what sunday i believe sunday yes so sunday morning that'll that'll wrap up uh with the a block so you've seen a good chunk of it yes and yeah. i know you I, i've kind of picked and choose I, i've not watched full shows i've just kind of people have given me recommendations i've kind of chimed in on, on some stuff i've sort of scrolled and seen who's in the ring and went okay this is this interests me or this doesn't or whatnot so i've seen a, a good amount but i can't you know nowhere near 100 percent probably I don't know, 50% maybe or so. My recommendation, if you're not a completist, is to jump on this tour once they got to Osaka. They did two shows in Osaka that were both excellent. Then they did one show in a city that's slipping my mind, and then they hit Cork and Hall for the block finals. Um, That's where you should pick it up. They really backloaded the tour with most of the good stuff towards the back end. Doesn't mean there weren't great matches along the way. There absolutely were. Right on night one, I thought that uh, Shingo versus Miyahara – I think it was Shingo and Miyahara on night one. The show that happened during WrestleMania weekend, because I watched it in the hotel room. Uh, let me see. Yeah, it was Shingo versus Miyahara on night one. I mean, right out of gate, there was a great match on the first, uh, you know, the first show of the tour. But it really picks up when they hit Osaka. Let's talk about that B Block final, because I know we just watched it today and it's fresh in our minds. First of all, the main event. Uh, let's do that first, so oh we're not up against it. Go, go out of your um, way and watch this match. Go out of your way right now and watch this match. Pause this and go watch that match. Because wow, goddamn, that was great. Okay, so the block came down to Marafuji and Akiyama. Okay, thick with history. Okay, two guys who were part of the first exodus from All Japan, which was the formation of Noah, uh, with Akiyama as a guy in his prime who Noah was going to be built around. Marafuji as a younger guy who, uh, since then, Rich, I think it's fair to say the man who most people would identify as the face of pro wrestling Noah after all these years, because right. for, for better or for worse. Yes, I would, I would yeah. agree with that. Kenta didn't leave, He didn't leave like Kenta. He didn't 
believe again, uh, you know, I, you know, Akiyama, of course, part of the second exodus away from Noah back to all Japan. Uh, I guess you can make an argument for Takeshi Sugera if you wanted to, but I think Naomichi Marafuji is the face of the all time face of pro wrestling Noah. So you've got Marafuji representing Noah. You've got Akiyama representing all Japan. There's just so much history here and so much backstory. Um, and these two guys just worked such a great match. You know, it was, you know, they, they worked in all the greatest hits. But at the same time, towards the end of the match, it got very vicious and very nasty. Uh, the crowd was so into this. It was so great to see a hot Korkin crowd for this. And then, uh, you know, Marafuji puts him away in the end to win the block. And then, um, you know, they do the 